I've been afraid to use my cup though, because it has been around here. I could just wash it off. I, I mean, I have my glass. Cup. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah as long as you wash it every day, that's fine. Mm. I'm washing this all the time. And keep it six feet away from everybody. Hey, boys. It's good to see everybody again. Let's oh. have a fucking <laughs> sip. Let's have a eh? fucking sip. I'm not touching. <laughs> fucking zipper right here, bub. people to not make you know starting at 170 your first episode of the podcast because we might like it you might like it <laughs> we've been, yeah, exactly and then it's going to go back to a neutered version um but we uh we're doing a, a unique take on them right now and it's just sort of big bloated whale casts and uh, we're kind of trying to keep everybody company for as long as we can while people are hanging out at their homes. So we're doing these long ones. Django referred to them as mullet podcasts last time. We're going to do a little bit of business comics up front and then just sort of let our hair down in the back. Just sort of relax. Um, business. It's business time. It's business time. I'm Jeff and I'm here for the business. I'm Django and I'm here for the party. I'm Roman, and I'm here for the business. Oh! <laughs> I'll give you the business. Yeah, you absolutely will. The bee's knees. Roman, so glad that you made it. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, this, I'm I'm enjoying the like being home, being able to read tons of stuff. Can you quit boasting about it? We haven't fully gotten to experience <laughs> it yet. Yesterday was my day off, and I got called into my other job for <laughs> four or six hours or something. Like, high stress very fast designing and printing things for production. It was amazing. Django, we spent like <laughs> four hours yesterday in like four different text conversations with each other. I Just know. sort of like nonstop, <laughs> like you and I independently, me, you, and Roman, me, you, and Justin, me, you, and the entire store. It was this like, I kept just thinking like, I bet Django's pissed off right now because he's trying to do work and he's getting all these messages and I would be as well. Uh <laughs> It was the only thing keeping me going. And most, like, yeah, it, it was just like, we are in a lot of text chains together right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to figure out a way that we can, um, like, communicate with each other individually to set up and execute gags on group threads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it would be good, except for we can't reliably right now because group texts are, like, coming Delayed. in in weird ways. Like, I woke up this morning... And I had a bunch of text messages from our work thread that got there between 11 and 3 o'clock in the morning that were clearly from <laughs> yeah. earlier in the day. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes I don't clue into the joke. Like, yeah, I got one from you last night, Django, that said go. And I was like, what the hell is this? And, it, and I had to go back up and, and figure, oh, that's okay, that's his bit. It was part, okay. of, a, it was part of a three-text yeah. bit where I told you and Jeff to go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Yeah, but it took me a while to figure that out. When it comes in out of order and at 3 yeah. in the morning, yeah. it ruins the whole bit. I only got it's like, no go where? Do I have to go, go shelter? <laughs> yeah. They're the only messages I got. But uh, Roman, I guess since since you've been on the podcast, mm. um, it might be good to tell everybody you do have a new friend in your life. I do. Oh, I should have brought him. 
I should have brought mine. He, you well, guys, they can't see. Oh, he's right here. <laughs> oh, he oh, that's a lie. Don't don't create a fucking uh, uh no. Come on, they're, respect. They're, they're very tender bears and they're gentle and they're sheltering in place because they're scared. Yeah, that's true. They just don't want to get sick. Except for David Talking Bear, who um, he has a song where it's <laughs> David Talking Bear, cause I'm talking here and I'm talking there. I'm David talking bear, and I'm talking my way downtown. And the ongoing bit about David is that he keeps trying to fucking go downtown. So he keep like I keep finding him like out in the yard or on the street past the gas station, just sort of like waddling his way downtown. I think he convinces all of the other bears to stack up so he can climb up them and then open the door to get out. But it's like, dude. Everybody else is sheltering in place. Why the hell are you so into getting sick, bud? David, get back here. Bye, boy. I'm going. I'm going. I have to find Derek Talking Bear. Jeff, pick up some skittles. Roman, what did you name? What What's your bear's name? Huckleberry. Huckleberry. Yeah. After After the Hound. After No, after Tombstone. After After Doc Doc Halliday's line. Oh, that's a daisy of a name. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it yesterday, everybody. Now I have not watched the final twenty minutes, so please. Forgive me. I'm excited, though. Uh, it is good. I do think it is pretty dated by today's standards. I think everyone should check out <clears throat> Tombstone again because... Like, socially or just n- just No, structure? as a movie. Yeah, okay. like, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what year it came out. Probably first half of the 90s. Yeah, probably 1994. So. And uh, it... Yeah, just, a, just like kind of over-the-top <clears throat> act. It's just part of a time... Where it's an innocent, a more innocent time in movies because they were just making movies, and I love that they weren't like making blockbusters. There's a lot of things I think if it came out today, they'd be like, oh, "That's a really overwrought, overly dramatic you yelling in the rain in the soundstage where you can look at the puddles around you and you only have like a four foot radius of fake rain falling because then there's like water behind it that's not being affected. Like it's 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 of the time, which is pretty good. That's interesting because I watched it not super long ago maybe five or six years ago with max or eli and uh loved it and and not just in a nostalgic way because i couldn't remember any of the story beats yeah just just like this this movie is effective it is and there is like a particularly fantastic scene if everyone can go down memory lane with me as i and talk about my experience with tombstone okay so i'll go five years down memory lane you go like a like day. 11 hours and Roman. Uh, when did it come out? 93. I just confirmed it. I was right. Oh, you did? Yeah. I'll go that many years down. All right. I'm excited to talk about another movie that came out in 93. I started watching this morning, but we'll Ooh. come back to that. All right. Um, there's a scene where, like, the bad cowboys, where, first of all, it's interesting that the cowboys are the bad guys in this movie. Yeah. Because... You know, like, they're the law and the cowboys are the bad guys. seems like so often nowadays cowboys are the good guys in yeah. Western. So I like that take on it. But the cowboys, as they're turning against Wyatt Earp, Kurt Russell, uh, they... With his mustache. Yeah, they take... Kurt yeah, Russell and his mustache. Yeah. And, and I love that setting up the whole thing. Like, the reason there's all this bad blood between Wyatt Earp, Kurt Russell, and the cowboys is because they insulted him by tearing off his mustache. 
Yeah. I think it was great to introduce <laughs> this awesome mustache at the beginning of the movie and then only 30 minutes in have this horribly aggressive scene where all of the hair is pulled off of his lip and he's got this bloody upper lip and he's sort of been insulted and embarrassed by the cowboys. Oh, my huckleberry! <laughs> <laughs> but what is what is great is to sort of get his stash back, which it could have been... I, I, I appreciated... Also learning that the um, the working title for this is to not spoil it as they were filming it was just Operation Stash and Grab. Yeah, I, <laughs> when I saw that, and this is weird because like it didn't become a thing until years and years later. I thought it was a Harold and Kumar prequel. <laughs> yeah, man, he's really on the, the hunt for that stash back. It was also as the West engaged in marijuana for the first time. <laughs> so it's like got a really chill vibe. I get why it's the final good uh, Western movie. But no, um, as the cowboys are making their big play after stealing the mustache, they go and like independently wipe out several of Kurt Russell Wyatt Earp's buddies. Uh-huh. And the scene where they're at the bar and oh. Virgil, who is Sam Elliott, leaves, and then a guy apparently goes and pretends to be him and shoots up a house, and then Virgil comes back to the bar... That scene where they're like, oh, Virgil, what'd you forget? And he, like, walks in, and, like, the lighting is really great, and he doesn't really say anything, and then they turn around and look at him, and he's, like, bleeding profusely out of an arm, and then he, like, falls over. And then the scene just ends. It was, a like, a differently told scene yeah. than a lot of things would be now. Like, they would show the violence now, or they would show the wound more. And it was just this really atmospheric way of telling a thing and then making you need to imagine kind of everything around it. That scene made me cry before you taught me how to cry, Jeff. Oh. <laughs> yeah, our crying lessons have been going very well. Just me sitting there rubbing your shoulders and you just on the floor cross-legged trying, oh, to, find, <laughs> trying to find emotions in the bottom of your stomach. Oh! <laughs> oh, no, Django, that's your throw-up muscle. <laughs> well, listen, I feel like we are walking up at this mullet cast from behind and we yeah, don't want to surprise it too much we gotta we gotta spin it around and we, give it the business you're right we gotta get some business up here what are we gonna be talking about comic wise we haven't figured that out i no, only have read done, yeah. three new books this week i read a bunch i of read them. a bunch i'm jealous <laughs> of you guys <coughs> um well i think we should talk about uh this robin's 80th anniversary robin? sure um we'll also talk about um, Spider Woman number Woman. one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we definitely need to talk about Batman number 91. Um, I'm going to have to talk about Nightwing 70 immediately after okay. that. Okay. Roman, what do, you, what, what do you think would go well after Nightwing 70? I really liked X-Ray Robot. I yeah, let's talk so about that. Bummed that I haven't read this yet. It was gorgeous. Django has been saying positive things to have Roman also say positive things. Um, and I mean, I read I read the next Tartarus. Should we do some Tartarus? I haven't read a single issue of that. It's really good, and the creator <laughs> is going to be in our store. I do look forward to hearing about it while also yeah. leaving enough space for me to experience it genuinely uh, this evening. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can you can see what else I read, Jeff. I I would really like to hear. Oh, I didn't get deceased on killables in me yet. Have you, Django? Oh, I forgot to bring it home all together. Oh man, that was actually one of my four favorite books of the week. Yeah, good. Well, talk well, about yeah, it. Yeah, get it get it in my hand here. Throw, throw it over there. Also, Roman, could you hand me that X Force number n- number eight? We'll be number talking about eight. nine. 
number nine rather, and then number nine, um, nine. Guardians of the Galaxy number three, and that's a really full platter. I love it. Number nine. We can just we can go fast or slow. We can go hard or shallow or deep or. um, I like to vary it up. Yeah, guys, is this blue? Is this about to be blue? Is that what you're doing here? No, I just blew myself. Wow. Arrested Development Season 2. Topical. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Alienate's been really good, too. So is Plunge. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, you guys are... Plunge boys. Plunge boys, so... um. (laughs) Taking the plunge. All right, listen, everybody. I read uh, Robin 80th anniversary special all in one sitting. That's a pretty crazy thing. In this world of more and more 80th anniversary specials and 100-page specials, it was crazy that this one, there was uh, one that I didn't read at all, and I'll get into that. Um, but it's amazing that this pulled me through it the whole way. Yeah, I read it all in one sitting too, and I didn't plan. I didn't mean to. I didn't want to. I didn't either. I haven't done that with any of these other eighty pages. Yeah, um, pages. I read a couple bits of it. Well, what was it that got you through it, Roman? Or I mean, what was what was your favorite one? I mean, let's hey, let's just get us some credits out here first. Okay. <laughs> this had a lot of stories. Uh, it had a Dick Grayson story by Marv Wolfman and Tom Grummet. It had a Dick Grayson story by Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel. It had a Nightwing story by Devin Grayson and Dan Jurgens. It had a Dick Grayson Agent 37 from Tom King, Tim Seeley, and Michael Janine. It had a Jason Todd story from Judd Winnick and Dustin Nguyen. It had a Tim Drake story from Adam Beechin and Freddie Williams II. A Tim Drake story by Jimmy T. I.V. and Javier Fernandez. A Stephanie Brown story by Adam Wolfren, Damian Scott. A Super Sons story by Tomasi and Jimenez. And then a Damian story by Robbie Thompson and Ramon Villalobos. That's a lot of people. It was. Sorry for that, everyone. So, Roman, do you want to go everyone one by one? Everyone except the creators. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to go one by one? Do you want to just tell me what your favorite was off the bat? Um, <laughs> off the bat. Mm. Oh, Jesus. Robin was off the bat. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite one was the uh, Tim Drake Red Robin one by James Tinney and the Fourth. Boy that, Wonders. That one was good and i i don't mean to rag on jimmy tiv at all um but they these each one of these like went quicker than i thought it would which is one of the reasons i think that i was able to get through the whole thing mm, yeah that that james tinian one halfway through it i thought i had finished one and had started another one <laughs> because he's so <laughs> verbose like he like just the amount of time that i had spent on it like halfway through it i had spent the amount of time that i had spent on another one yeah and then i it, I, it is one of my favorites in there but it was just in terms of it it was like a drastic change in momentum for me yeah oh and actually i take that back actually my my favorite one is the marv wolfman one the very first one yeah so the very first one is basically a retelling in marv wolfman who originally did it i think retelling of dick deciding to leave batman and yeah, I think he did it. Was he? I think he was writing Batman back then, or Teen Titans. Like, yeah, well, before Teen Titans. Yeah. Okay, so I don't. I haven't read that original stuff, but I guess I always kind of equate it with that new Teen Titans. Story yeah, I mean, it's and... kind of Teen Titans came after events in Batman that had been set up where Dick was like, eh, "I'm leaving. I'm not going to be." Or and, no, he continued being Robin for a while in Titans. So, yeah, I guess uh, having never read that before, I was amazed at how both dated but also like i I don't timeless it felt page yeah page two of that one is where i decided that i probably wasn't going to read all of this book yeah because 
in on the first page, it's clearly Victor Zaz, um, yeah, who has the priest captive. On the second page, Batman says, "If you were one second slower, that thug would have killed the priest." Maybe it's the first time they saw Zaz. It's absolutely not because I remember the first time they saw Zaz, and it wasn't that. Well, that's that's well, a good. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, Mark Wolfman's cool screwed up. It, yeah. And but the emotional beats, I think, were yeah. what like really were impressive to me because the the yeah. way that he was able to take that moment of that, that like, man, I remember being a kid and being pretty bummed out about hearing that Robin got fed up with Batman and left. Like that kind of <laughs> tarnished the entire relationship to me, and they sort of cast that eternal moment in a slightly more positive light because it really was. In this one, Batman kind of intentionally being overbearing to encourage Dick to to step out, pushing him out of the nest, the Robin <laughs> yeah. out oh, of the nest. That's good. That's good. Um, and I guess I'm curious how you felt about that. Was that originally like that, or was that uh, a change that Wolfman made now? I I don't remember if it was originally like that. Because they had a couple times when Robin got fed up with Batman in the '70s when he went off to college. Part of the reason is because he was fed up with Batman. Okay. Um, and then it happened again and later on when he formed the, the new Teen Titans again. Um, it seemed original to me, but also fit in with that stuff because Bruce isn't quite... And you get, I got the impression that, he, yeah, he kind of meant to do this, but also there's more of it that he realizes, that, oh, shit, <laughs> Dick's been... You know, what do you say? Protecting me from myself. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty balanced, I thought, between those two motivations. Yeah. Or, motiv- I, or purposefulness and not. Yeah, I just, I guess I liked the spin that it wasn't maybe a total surprise, or it wasn't <clears throat> Dick had just been such an asshole, or sorry, Bruce had been such an asshole for so long that Dick finally got fed up, or. Yeah. Yeah, I like it wasn't just that. And I like the fact that Bruce's last line, you know, that Alfred and Dick Grayson are like, the best men he's ever known. And yeah. I, and I guess Superman too, probably. But <laughs> he says the best man I've ever known. Yeah. Like he yeah. gives it to Dick. Yeah. And I like, I like him having, cause you know, Bruce knows these other guys. That's cool. Yeah. That Dick Grayson is the best. So Django, <clears throat> did you read that whole one? No. Cause it, it, yeah, I no that, that part really irked me enough. Yeah, yeah for sure. It, Zaz's first appearance was in shadow of the bat. Number one. Yeah. So which totally is different way time. after this. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, you know, sliding time scales and everything, but yeah, but I, yeah, I was maybe a little grumpy and, uh, I and distracted it, on last Tuesday night. I support it. So I, I, cause I had been kind of like, like we were saying skeptical about this going into it, but that first story <clears throat> just struck a unique enough tone that I didn't know that I wanted that it pushed like I became like oh I'm not necessarily just interested in Robin stories but I mentioned this to Django the next morning is like I really do love stories of like this young energetic youthful person who like chips away at the hardened nature of Batman like Batman and Robin stories are a thing that don't exist really right now or haven't yeah. in a while and and so yeah, a lot of these were sort of Batman and Robin stories. I, I really liked just sort of emphasizing the really positive aspect of the those those two men's relationship. Yeah, yeah, and the fact, and I think is it in that story where Dick brings up the fact that you know, that unlike you, I mean, you caught the murder of my parents like 
the next day. So I didn't grow up with that, that yeah. revenge driving me. And I like pointing out that difference between them. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that's really good. Um, do you guys mind going through one, one by no. one? No. Um, because <laughs> we, we got I, all day. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about the next one other than <clears throat> Justin, who everyone probably remembers of Justin fame, um, <laughs> who is the, the, the ray of sunshine of the comic shop. He kind of, out of nowhere for me, it's just like he's read more Chuck Dixon Bat <laughs> Family books than anyone I know. It's wild. Like, I have a really solid Batman knowledge until Justin takes over. And then I didn't read comics, really, for the same amount of time that Justin read every single Chuck Dixon Batman story that was. And it's hilarious to me because on the Tuesday that this came out Justin was just sort of randomly talking about these crazy Chuck Dixon Nightwing stories because an issue of Nightwing came out and he was just talking about how kind of crazy they were but also poorly written they were and I thought that this was a horrifically poorly written like comic and it just made me kind of laugh and love it because I had had that conversation with Justin earlier in the day that kind of had the same effect for me I mean from like the first page is it's just this paramedic. I was like, this is so stupid. Why is she trying to cross this with this like 40, 50 pound bag on one side? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and I liked it. Did you? And like, yeah. not like, I just, I loved, I loved that it seems to really have embodied a time. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, you know, I never read any of the Aftershock stuff, but this is super cheesy. Somebody had a baby while that taxi was falling through Yeah, the air? I know. That was Come the on. really bad part. That was the part that really like made me groan and kind of love it. Yeah. You know what? That's what we need these days. It is. Comics <laughs> are for fun. Yeah. You um, know what impressed me about please. the uh, the next one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm done with Chuck Dixon. Okay. Unless Roman had any other no, thoughts no, there. Yeah. No. Um, how... Dan Jurgens did the layouts for this one. I was interested in that as well. And Norm Rapman did the finishes, but this just looks like Dan Jurgens to me. I don't know what Dan Jurgens <clears throat> looks like. He looks like. exactly like this. Yeah. He did he did uh like a big run on Justice League right af after Keith Giffen. He did uh I don't know, a whole bunch of Superman. He's just like one of those he did most 80s everything of Booster Gold. Yeah, Booster Gold. He created Booster Gold. 80s and early 90s artists that is like burned into my brain. I didn't read that story because um <clears throat> Oh, who's the character with the stars in her costume? Troy Donna Troy. Donna Troy. Mm -hmm. Uh similar to the new Thor. I can't do stars in your costume. I I like her costume. I don't really know this era of the Teen Titans or the Teen Titans really at all. So, I this to me was one it was one of the lesser like stories for me but i think that i was sort of like yeah but i bet if you read this teen titan stuff it was a nice return to that and it made me think of roman it, it was a nice return i mean the story wasn't great but it was fun nostalgia it's fun seeing hive again because that was a teen titan specific villain that was created in that book that was you know, bee themed. <laughs> and, uh, and we need those. They were just in an episode. I've been watching Justice League Action, which I've never seen that cartoon. And there are gonna... villains in there. Okay, good. That's something we'll come back to on the, the party yeah. portion of this. So podcast. it was fun. I mean, I love the Titans. This isn't my <laughs> favorite group of Titans because, you know, I don't really care about um, Arsenal. But yeah. I, I, and, I, and I like the rest of them. My favorite group of Titans always has Beast Boy in it. Yeah, and he's not here. Yeah. You probably identify with him quite a bit. Oh, I love Beast Boy. Or yeah. Changeling, as I was first introduced to him. Because he's green. Yeah. He's green. 
Um, the <clears> next <throat> story is the Tom King, Tim Seeley, Grayson story. Uh, did anybody read Tom King's, no. Tim Seeley's Grayson series? No, but looking at the art here and thinking about the fact that it was Tom King and Tim Seeley makes me want to just grab it and bring the whole thing we, home. We have week. an omnibus, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, it, I'm sure it's good. Yeah, it. it I'm sure it is because it was. I think that was the first time Tom King was on my radar. Yeah, and yeah, this is basically Dick training another agent for Spiral, which he's an operative in. Dick training. Grayson. Dick training. That's good. Um, and the whole time, like he flashes back to a memory of Bruce teaching him a lesson, and then he tells his student a totally contradictory lesson, <laughs> and then it goes to the very end and. Dick says, all right, well, this is the most important lesson I've got. Uh, and it's it's Bruce telling him, ignore your mentor, do what you do best, be you, Robin. And it's just like, oh, like, <laughs> just, I don't know, just, I love the relationship between these two men. Like, I love this, like, you know, child grown into friend and partner and equal and being able to both have learned so much from each other. Like, I, I really, I don't know, that, that encapsulated some of my favorite Batman and Robin dynamics in it. Yeah, I really like that that dialogue between them, those memories, the way he's teaching her the, the same in the same method, kind of. And it kind of twists at the end. Yeah. Like, the whole time you're like, well, this isn't right. This isn't right. And then it's like, oh, click. All right, great. Yeah, yeah and I almost <clears throat> always like stuff with the gorillas from Gorilla City. That's true. And why Robin... the heck there's one that's, like, so red-furred that it's, like, bright, bright red. It's like, okay, that's silly, but it's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that the sure. character who that's the woman who turns into it, right? Right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um Roman. Mm. Have you ever read a comic with a green gorilla? Oh. Where's there a green gorilla? No, I, there's not. I'm just He's saying. just saying oh. you like the red gorilla. You like <laughs> green men and women. You would probably love a green gorilla. You probably need a refractory period between every single page. <laughs> <laughs> Give me seven minutes. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Oh, Jason Todd is next. Oh. My my least favorite Robin, but this was a pretty decent story. I liked this story a lot, and it reminded me, like, Dustin Nguyen did art for Streets of Gotham, which, for whatever reason, I guess, so Hush, I loved the original Hush mm. series. Yeah. yeah. And then there was, like, a sequel <clears throat> Hush series, and then there was, like, a Paul Dini-written, Dustin Nguyen-illustrated arc on Streets of Gotham that I was collecting in, the, like, the year before I started working here. And it was great. It was about the dude who, like, finds real estate within Gotham that then criminals like Zaz, like, pay him for. He's, he's Oh, awesome. He creates layers <laughs> for bad guys, and he finds them. And, and... So that's... Uh, there was a... Greatest Batman stories ever told um, novel. I think it was greatest Batman stories, or maybe just like Batman stories. It was a bunch of shorts, mm -hmm. and my favorite one was about the guy that makes the costumes for the yeah. bad guys and for Bruce. And Daredevil did <clears throat> has a story like that in the yeah. Bendis run as well. So yeah. I love that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, the this one is written by Judd Winnick with this gorgeous Dustin Nguyen art, which I prefer to his like super watercolor stuff. Yeah, which I mean, mm. is gorgeous, like the little Gotham stuff. It's a little bit too uh, unfinished background for me. But in this one, it's Jason, and it's the whole time it's told between a dual narrative of him like blowing up a Batmobile and planting something, and also him being a little boy who has fixed Bruce's dad's broken watch. And 
he's like really excited to give Bruce this present on his birthday. And you can tell Bruce just like doesn't know how to process it. And, and Alfred reminds him like, hey, he worked on this for a really long time. What did you guys think of it? It reminded me of trying to give you a gift. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, like, what do you guys think about the like cold nature of Bruce in it? Like, is it is it that do you think that he was I was trying to decide between the fact like is Bruce bummed out? that this broken watch that was symbolic has been mucked around with by Jason? Or did you register it as just, like, he doesn't know how to receive a gift? I think he just doesn't know. Yeah, how to I register it. He okay. doesn't know, especially because, you know, at this point, it's, you know, it's, it's still it's still within a, a probably a year or two of... of Being a dad? Oh, wait, no, this is Jason Todd. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say of, of <clears throat> Jason Todd being killed. No, yeah. it's not that. <laughs> no, it's just Bruce doesn't know how to... Accepted. Yeah. I also kept waiting for a scene where he was going to, like, irrationally, you know, like, in Beauty and the Beast, when she, like, goes in and finds the rose, and he's like, get the fuck out of here! Get out of here! You shouldn't be here! You know, I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> but just, like... I'd that, forgotten, no. <laughs> no, there's just, like, in lots of stories, that bit of, like, the toxic masculinity of, like, when the, the innocent, well-intentioned outsider comes into the heart of what has caused a person to be broken, that they right. overreact and cast them out again um it felt like maybe we were gonna get that but i i didn't want that i preferred it just like him not knowing how to take a, a gift well and do yeah. we know when this other part takes place is it when is it before uh bruce and jason have kind of reconciled and jason isn't is, is he still a bad guy here judd winnick wrote <clears throat> the under the red hood story where he comes back okay so i placed this sort of like right after that story like he's okay. still out there causing chaos for bruce but half reconciled and that's my favorite way for jason todd to be represented like i yeah. still i think it's a real shame to turn him into like a kind of a good guy that gets along with bruce because i think that like he's a way more meaningful character to be like the one smear on Bruce's record, like right. the the this unforgivable. I raised a boy, and then my actions got him killed. I think that's a way more powerful thing than to, yeah. to have him be like, "Oh, I'm back. It's good." Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's funny. I didn't realize this story. This was Dustin Wynn's art until the very last panel, of course. Um, because yeah, I didn't recognize. I, I'm the opposite. I prefer his his uh, watercolor stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I just like. There's a lot of like n empty white space in his watercolor stuff, like in in the background. Yeah, which usually I don't like. Yeah, for whatever reason, I have a sort of that really tweaks me, and and it's pretty inconsequential. So, yeah, I was wondering how many years had passed between when when little Jason's gonna take it and fix it and get it right, and when he actually gets it. Because obviously it's been a couple years at least. Well, he had to die and come back as a watchmaker. Yeah, yeah and, how, and how long did it take him to resurrect after dying? Uh, Dr. Manhattan or... <laughs> um, Jason Todd. Oh. Um, a I mean, I guess it's hard because the whole timeline of yeah. everything is collapsed. Time but... moves different there. <laughs> but death death in the family... <clears throat> was like 87, I believe that. I put it like yeah, kind of squarely like in the middle of the 80s. And then he came back in the 2000s, so yeah. probably 20 years. Yeah. Though in the comics, I guess Bruce has only been Batman for, what, 15 years or something yeah, like that? I mean, let's, let's not look too close <laughs> at that. Yeah. Instead, let's look really close at this beautiful art by Freddie E. Williams II. Is that the story? What this is, I didn't read two stories in here, and this is one oh. of them. Was it the art or was it the, the density of the words? 
I like the art. So do I. Because he does the Batman Turtles miniseries as well. Uh-huh. And I like flipping through that. And I like <clears throat> his covers. It was just... I didn't necessarily care about the moment. Like, Dick yeah. going to this, like, high school or something to be talking to a teacher. Like, I skimmed it. Tim. Sorry, yeah, Tim. Um, and I... I just... I prepared to read this issue by being ready to skim each of them. Right. And then each one made me read it within the first page. And this one just didn't have that happen. My biggest complaint about this one was the R logo on his costume isn't the one that I like. Yeah, you like the <laughs> I, Batman the Animated Series one. Or the one on the, the splash page before it. Um, yes. Yeah. That is hashtag definitely my yeah. Robin. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, sorry. Because isn't that the one he detaches and throws it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got the little... Yeah, the, so it makes sense R. it has some pointy bits. Yeah. And it also, it's the Robin costume that... It, it's the Tim Drake Robin costume that is like Batman... The New Adventures of Batman the Animated Series, I think, used this mm. costume. I'm not sure okay. if they pioneered this costume or if it... But it's like the all-red <clears throat> Tim Drake costume. And yeah, I need the yellow cape, green short sleeve, green legs, and then like red torso outfit yeah. that's my robin outfit yeah, that's the boys there are a lot of stories in here yeah we're almost done that, that was my wow. least that was probably well my second to least favorite one yeah. that that tim and the guidance counselor office um the next one though jimmy tiv roman give me give me a rundown on this one because it is it is great um let me get a real quick refresher oh yeah this is the one where tim's going around and kind of hanging out with each of the different Robins trying to get a perspective on how he fits into the whole legacy and what, how he can be, you know, a unique, his own self Robin. And it's basically the moments that lead up to the beginning of Jimmy TIV's detective comics run at rebirth. Oh, oh. because oh, at the okay, end he yeah. decides to make the team of Clayface right, and right. spoiler. And yeah. Yeah. So he's hanging out with Dick as Nightwing at first, you know, battling and talking stuff and then red hood and then damien um and then yeah to the beginning of that detective comics run yeah this was and this i really like this story a lot too because i really uh, tim's my f second favorite robin mine too so i'm always glad to see stories with him kind of exploring the role and his own unique thing that he's i mean they're all smart but he's like super super smart strategic computer you know computer and tech guy but he also is like when we sort of remove ourselves from time and look at these four robins we've got dick grayson the first robin jason todd the robin who died tim drake and then damien the robin who's his son who also died yeah yeah um it yeah. like it, it really does like i think the the e most easily forgettable of those four is tim drake because he didn't die and he's not his son he's not the first hmm. and i love him he's my second favorite but yeah. You can, it really does paint the picture of how hard it would be to be that Robin and have any sense of ego or, you know, like it, you would be confused about your place in the family. And this one really irons down why he belongs in the family. And like the way that Damien puts it is so good. Yeah, I loved that. Just sort of like, dude, you discovered who Batman is. You were Robin forever. You made yourself Robin. Like you fulfilled that role. Like. <laughs> Yeah. What you're you're worried about what you do next? Like you do whatever the hell you want to do, <laughs> just like you've done your whole life. And it's just such a great Damien being the the cold, intelligent hammer. Yeah, I lo I love that because yeah, Tim's the one that he didn't get recruited. He he showed up because he knew Batman needed a friend. He was yeah. his neighbor. <laughs> he 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 His, yeah, his dad was another rich guy in the neighborhood. And, yeah. Um. <laughs> his dad, who was killed in uh, Identity Crisis, right? Yeah. Didn't Captain Boomerang kill him? I think so. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That was messed up. But then I think he might have come <clears throat> back or got killed again. I don't know. <laughs> Well, he um, exercised a lot and unbroke his back. I, I really like that story as well, Roman. And the art was good, too, as, as in being unique. Um, this next one is the Stephanie Brown spoiler. And there's the most forgettable Robin. Yeah, so this For is me. the one that I didn't read because I like Stephanie Brown, but I like her as Batgirl. And they yeah. basically, I've been reading online that they have retconned her as no longer Batgirl. She was only Robin or oh, spoiler. Really? See, yeah. I feel like they should have done... Because I forgot she, I actually did forget she was ever a Robin, because I think she was for like what six months. <laughs> and I mostly just didn't like this art. Yeah, and I didn't. I almost didn't read this one because of the art, but it was only a few pages, so I did read it. And I liked, you know, I liked the glimpse in the a, a, a teenage girl <clears throat> trying to be Robin and the problems she had with the costume being uncomfortable. Because apparently Bruce just gave her gave her the boy costume, like bo- the, one of the boys' old costumes. It's like, ah, oh, jeez, you're smarter than that, Bruce. Come on. <laughs> So I liked her, you know, technical aspects of trying to deal with that, but I don't care about her time as Robin. I really like her as Batgirl. Yeah, I do too, and I like her as Spoiler. Um, but yeah, it's just like, also the, the art is like very exaggerated Saturday morning cartoon style. Yeah. So there's... for whatever reason, that, that stopped me from digging on it. Yeah, there's a couple scenes where I was like, man, their faces are so ugly. <laughs> Both I, her and Bruce. I really like the, the Alfred profile though yeah he's a definitely old man <clears throat> butler look there yeah <laughs> uh the the next story is the uh peter tomasi jorge jimenez the super sons team and i love jorge jimenez's art mm. and this is basically just john being worried that he's bad at writing and he has to write a school report on like a person that means a lot to him and he writes it about damien and it's just the two young boys being best friends <laughs> and the the one who's more powerful but has the insecurity about himself like writing about how much he looks up to Damien and I loved that I'm getting a Wurlitzer Pulitzer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah Roman was, you was, had to have liked that one I did I did that was a really fun story um, and I like stories that kind of focus and it's cool that that you know Jonathan Kent is trying to at least somewhat emulate his parents i mean it's got to be pressure having your parents being both i don't know if clark's ever won a pulitzer but award-winning writers he is superman and one of them superman (laughs) yeah yeah um i i really like that one it was just super heartfelt and then the final one i uh, boy this first page of that one i almost touch you because i because at first glance i was like oh my gosh is, it, is this uh, Frank Quitely? Quitely? Yeah, no, but Ramon Villalobos is is a <clears throat> Quitely acolyte, so it looks yeah. like it. The art in this one is stupendous. Mm-hmm. The story is the most tied into the current Teen Titans story that's going on right now, and I don't particularly care about that. It's like you're reading Teen Titans. I dip you in with it. You contain multitudes. I dip in with it, but like <clears throat> Damien, and this is actually a little bit ago, um, not right now, but uh, Damien was like killing people, or he was bad guys he was brainwashing them and having them sort of live in a comatose state so they wouldn't have the opportunity to escape and then go wow you know cause shit again and she was he was keeping that a secret from batman so this is batman trying to connect with damien about that and both of them sort of keeping secrets from one another i really liked like robin following bat or batman following robin 
and then it reveals that Robin's behind him and Batman's following a hologram. Yeah. And then it's revealed that Batman's behind the real Robin and Robin is following a hologram of Batman following a hologram of Robin. They're so much <laughs> each other. <clears throat> that was cool. And that was a big, because I haven't been reading, I didn't read that Titans. I had no idea Robin was doing that, the old Doc Savage thing where they brain, where he will lobotomize criminals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gorgeously done, and it, the emotional beats are good, but it was wrapped up enough in current continuity that it wasn't exactly like a timeless <clears throat> Robin story. No, but, the, man, the art made it oh, yeah. so worth yeah, it. Yeah, the art's so good. I mean, this is definitely the best art in the book. The yeah. Batmobile. Such yeah. a good Batmobile. I know. So so good. So It's like Ramon drawing uh, one of uh, Sean Gordon Murphy's Batmobiles. Batmobiles. Yeah. yeah. That panel... <clears throat> Batman crashes in, and they're you know they're fighting or they're fighting these robot servants or whoever this villain is, um, who's also a robot. Any remote control crashes the Batmobile in to to wipe out them all. And the next page, the top panels, the Batman and Robin standing there, both like uncomfortable, not looking at each other, not saying anything. And and behind the Batmobile has got the villain pinned against the wall into a crater in the wall. It <laughs> is the most like Frank Quitely I think he's been. And Chris Burnham, Nick Patera, and Ramon Villalobos all kind of came onto my radar around the same time and all had very quietly looking art. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that Ramon had the slowest rise of all three of those, but I think that his <clears throat> art is the most like Quietly's now, and I would, I would like to look at the most of those three guys. Well, and he also has had some of the worst luck yeah. in in publishing career, just yeah. like mm -hmm. projects being canceled and scuttled, and yeah, um, like he was he was working on that uh, Warren Ellis Wildstorm follow up that got replaced by the Batman's Grave, and yeah, I, well, <clears throat> we never saw that. Apparently, Ramon kind of just lost interest in doing it. Or like, hmm. like two weeks ago, a new news bite came out about that. But like Warren Ellis said that Ramon just lost interest. But I think that he was just like, he was, I think he was working too hard on it and right. kind of create an expectation for himself that he wasn't able to fit up to. And yeah. then kind of just lost it. And which totally makes I've sense. I've been there. Yeah. If you're like, oh, now I'm working with Warren Ellis after having never worked with somebody of that profile. <clears> like <throat> I better bring my A game and then kind of just avoiding doing it. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I totally fall on Ramon's side on most stuff because he's so nice, and I, I yeah. really relate to him on a lot of different stuff. So um, yeah, Roman, I mean, sorry, Robin, 80th anniversary <laughs> special, super super good book. We got we got uh, 45 years before we have the uh, Roman 80th anniversary. Ooh, he's only 36 man. now. Man, that's gonna take one one year. Our our customer, uh, Steve Myers, yeah. for my birthday, he wrote a he wrote me a story called Batman and Roman. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would give this an 8.5. I think it, it's really impressive as uh, an anniversary issue. And it really, it's th that Tuesday, I only read books that took place in Gotham for the rest of the day because it made me just so happy <laughs> to be reading Bat Family books. I'd give it a 7, mostly because a lot of the stories didn't uh, didn't grab me quick enough to pull me through. Um, but I do really like the idea of Roman reading Robin by Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I do too. I'll give it a 8.0. Nice. Because that's kind of like 80. Oh, mm. you sneaky bastard. <laughs> oh, nice one. <laughs> All right, my good friends. 
take me over to the world of Spider Woman. Well, she's got a great <laughs> she's got a great <laughs> new costume. Um, he was just gonna say that he's just had a cough for like a month and a half, and it's not the bug, but uh, it's not the bug. I keep I've, I'm looking for a fever every day. I'm putting thermometers in places I've never put thermometers before. <laughs> in fact, I'm wearing one right now, <laughs> just like Roman Doctor Plug over here. Uh, this follows Jessica Drew. Drew, yep. Uh, as she protects a rich kid on their birthday on their dad's yacht. And it's a costume party, so you see a bunch of kids wearing um, superhero Marvel Marvel superhero costumes. And then bad guys show up, and uh, she takes care of them in odd ways. Um, I think there are some funny jokes in this. The art grew on me. And uh, in general, I thought it was like pretty pretty lightweight. Um, maybe maybe lightweight and lighthearted, but I don't have a lighthearted sensor in my body. So, um, yeah, it, it it wasn't written for me, but I thought it was pretty good, and and I got all the way through it. Roman, you have read a lot of Spider Woman. I have every issue of her original series, and I'm and excited to read this because it's a big number one this week. Uh, I do care about it. I like the character a lot. I haven't read a ton of her history. What? Where did this fall in the pantheon of Spider Woman books? It was a fun book. It's, I mean, it wasn't as good as uh, her previous series that just focused on. I forget who wrote that. <clears throat> I think it was Chris. Dennis Hopeless. I what, think. Was it? It was, was it... a Chris Samney art. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the names that the I have. One, the one yeah, that she's like really like a mom in. It's kind of like <clears throat> yeah, where it focuses her. on her yeah. kid and everything. Yeah, and that was a great series. Um, this one was fun. I mean, they did a, a lot of creative innovative stuff i mean the way she takes down the helicopter is awesome um and, and i like was, the scene with the uh, the the kid dressed as dead uh, deadpool oh yeah who's just a dick <laughs> yeah but her, not good at being a deadpool sized dick yeah it caught jessica drew's personality well where she you know she's a hero but she doesn't suffer idiot and insufferable brats and stuff like that i mean <laughs> so is she a hero for hire not, not, not normally. Like, not she's, all capital letters, but yeah. in this, she's been hired to protect us. Yeah, and and she hasn't been before, and I think and it's just something she started doing now. Cause okay. I, I guess she no longer has an Avengers stipend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, there's yeah. some cool, and yeah, the art, at first I wasn't into it, but they do some cool things like her stick using her stickiness underwater on the hull of the boat. I was like, oh, so I guess her powers work underwater that way. I bounced off of this for two reasons. First of all, I flipped through it and saw Deadpool in it. It's just a little kid. Yeah, I, I thought it was Deadpool. And that is a surefire way to not make sure I won't read something, but like I'm gonna, it's gonna feel like a little bit more work to go through it than I originally. It's and gonna flatten your curve of excitement, is what you're saying. Exactly. And that was topical. Thanks. Topical stuff from you today. I love Thanks. it. Uh, it's viral, not topical. Oh, right. Um, and then, yeah, not to criticize the art, but it's very in that Greg Land school of art, mm. and it it it's just like very Marvel House style, and it 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 didn't make me really excited to read it. I do totally see that you might be able to get into it several pages in, which does happen a lot of the time, but yeah. it, it's just a little like thick ink lines and glossy colors and big muscles and lots of fighting and and. Nothing wrong with that, but those are the two things that caused me to bounce off of it immediately. It's a it's a 
It's a fun read. You might want to try it. I definitely And the way, will. And the way she uses her Venom Blast along the chain, that was pretty cool. It feels like a, a, a pretty good episode of a network television show to me, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, it, this is not an HBO book. And then what <clears throat> happens at the end? There's a whole secondary story there. Is it the story of her getting this oh. new costume? Um, Nobody knows. Wait, no, I, I read it. What was the deal with this story? It's, she's in her old costume, so I assume it's her getting a new costume. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it explains why she has this new costume, because she's basically because she's embarrassed to be doing work for hire, so she wants a different costume for, like, work, and then her regular Spider-Woman costume for when she's being a superhero. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that was cute, because there's a mystery behind the person who designed the costume. They designed it for some shadowy figure. And it's taking her her vitals and relaying that to somebody. So there is a reason for that, which I thought was cool. Because, I mean, the <clears> new <throat> costume, I liked it because it actually made a little homage to Spider-Man, which originally they I don't think they wanted her to look like Spider-Man at all. So that's how they came up with the red-yellow costume. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm also happy to see the return of the classic 70s red-yellow costumes. You know, they're, I love the 70s costumes. They're both really good costumes. Yeah, they're both cool costumes. Um, what do you guys give it? I give it a six and a half. Okay. It's fine. Okay, Roman. I give it a seven point five. Nice, nice, Rome Daddy Long Leg. There are so many covers on it. Yeah, there uh, are. and there are yeah. so many great covers on it. The Chip Kid. Yeah, there really were. The Everybody. Germ. Uh, yeah. There's some really good ones. We wouldn't have so many left if we were allowed to be open on Wednesday. It's true. Because people would buy their variants instead of just taking the A cover that's in their file. You know, well, well they can always order them. Mm-hmm. Request them and we'll deliver. That's true. Django, talk, take take just a second before we get into Batman here to talk about this website and ordering. Oh, dang. Well, we built a website. Yeah. And you can order on it. Like, <laughs> we've got almost all of the quickly attainable stuff that we could get on there on the website that includes all comics that are in your files so if you know what's in your file or if you want us to send you a list of what's in your file you can check out and we'll pack it up and have it ready for you um, it's got all of our trade paperbacks it's got real easy ways to search and filter and sort um, it's an easy way to buy stuff as if we're open yeah, right it's, now it's like the way to it's it's basically the only way to support us right now. Yeah. Which is amazing that uh, Django and Dan, the biggest man, Brooks, um, <laughs> were, uh, yeah, they put this website together, and it's it's really impressive. But There's, it's, we yeah, we're now it's, it's how we're doing deliveries and getting things together for deliveries every day, and it's amazing. Uh, a bunch of people ordered things yesterday while Django and I were taking a mental health day, mm-hmm. and the fact that we were able to do any business at all and not be here um, is is going to mean the difference for our store. It's critical. It's not definitely not our first choice in uh, the way to run a business because I don't know about you, but I come in here for the people, not yeah, for, I, not for the the numbers. I love I love people being like, I don't know what to get. Tell me what to get. Yeah, um, and you don't get to do that when there's just a website. But it is a pretty important stopgap that will allow us to not totally go out of business while we're hanging out. And I figured out a trick last night and i put it on the front page if you scroll down just a little bit there's a big old thumbs up um, image next to a specific product that i built um, where you can um, buy a credit that goes on your account to be used when 
software opened again. So you could so just you, buy yourself a gift certificate to pick up all your books later. Yeah, you cannot use it while we're closed. It's for in-store purchases only, which we're not doing right now. But um, get yourself a get your future self a gift. Yeah, treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. Help us. Like everybody wins. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty amazing. Uh, it was a great day two of being closed after day one was Roman. You didn't come in. You didn't hear about it. But Wednesday was the most insane day I've ever had working here. Maybe. Wow, we've had some insane days, too. Yeah, I would we put sure it at the have. top of, like, my craziest days ever. Yeah, Django was, like, trying to put a brave face on. So as I was saying that, like, Colette came in at one point. I was like, it's the craziest day. He's like, nah. But now that we are on the other side of it, like, it was insane. We did a slightly larger than average Wednesday's number of sales while being closed all day and having a line of people outside the store who didn't know that we were closed, who had to call inside, give us their credit card numbers over the phone, texting pictures of the new week's books to people, people on the phone. We only have one phone, so we would get calls on the other line constantly. Like You would do a string of four phone calls, just end one and then go right to the other line, go right to the other line. You got a stack of different orders to ring up in different ways and running out to the door and sanitizing cards and trying to apologize. It was the most insane retail day I've ever worked. We were taking credit cards through four different systems. We were taking orders through like seven or eight different methods, including text and Instagram messages and website orders and people shouting through the door. We were both completely off balance. And at the end of the day, the till was off three dollars or something like that like i i was flabbergasted that we pulled it off the way that we did it was crazy and then we went out (coughs) to deliveries and uh it it was buck wild wow wow. real dynamic duo there yeah Yeah. it it felt like free comic book day but a bummer instead of really fun yeah free comic book day you're like appropriately staffed and you know what to do there's just a lot of people this this was like not appropriately staffed no understanding of how we're going to do it. No way to accurately communicate to people what the expectations are for them to be able to get their books. And we were down to one register because our uh, point of sale broke and we only really had it in one place. So it was insane. To our credit, two years ago, we couldn't have pulled that off. No. no. Four years ago, it just wouldn't have worked. And to, to our credit, we still liked each other at the end of the day. To, and, oh, and do I'm right so now. glad to hear that because I wasn't sure for a minute or two there. <laughs> no, it was just Jeff contemplating how hard he was going to run his head into a wall. Um, Batman number 91, James Tinney and the Fourth, three artists, artists uh, Jorge Jimenez, uh, Rafael Albuquerque, and um, Carlo Pagulian, and Danny Mickey, four artists. Wow. So I didn't read it. Was it worth it? It was definitely not as good as issue number 90. Which, that's a hard bar. It was, yeah, that last issue was a pretty dang good issue with really gorgeous art. I didn't understand why this one wasn't hitting for me until I finished. And the other artists are similar in style enough that it's not incredibly jarring. You're not like, oh, this isn't the same, but... They start with a four-page sequence of this art that is gorgeous and wonderful that we had the whole previous issue, and 
then it immediately goes off the, the deep end. So we've had, <clears throat> like, this, this is, is issue six. We've had six issues. Canyons run. And eight artists. Uh-huh. We've had, like, the first three issues had two different artists. Then we had a third artist on the fourth Grandpa. issue. And then Raphael Grandpa? He did. He did. No, oh, no. That would be amazing. Sorry. Uh, I didn't know if you were insulting me and calling me grandpa or <laughs> referencing that artist. No, I was thinking of uh, uh, Guillaume. Guillaume right? March, yeah. Tony Daniels, uh, Jorge Jimenez, and then three or four new people on this book, which is that, like, why is that happening? That has to only be <clears throat> happening because they decided to end Tom King's run and they needed to get, like, six issues done. So they just like shipped the art to different people i have to imagine yeah and it doesn't even look like they're doing it as chapter breaks really right no it's just like it's just like here you do these you do pages this through this and that through that and they fortunately do seem to go through scene break well i don't even know um it unfortunately <clears throat> made me annoyed about this series again yeah whereas the previous issue made me more excited about it okay um this yeah, the Joker portions of it are interesting. I do think that the Joker war story that he's building to is going to be really cool. But it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's classic James Tinian the Fourth for me, which is like there's some really cool nuggets in there, but his execution <clears throat> is is always a little bit flawed in that it seems rushed. It seems the art is all over the place and it seems like the way that he's getting at this cool story is by making me go through stuff that I really don't care about. Like a bunch of Deathstroke pages, Harley Quinn pages, um, not a lot of continuity with the, the previous run. So, uh, well, um, I would give it a 7.5. Okay. So not, not terrible, but it <clears throat> peaks some of my annoyance muscles. I can't wait to hear the interview that you're going to do with him. With James Tinney in the fourth? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would make me what? a fan of all of his books from here I'm on just, out. I'm just going to sabotage you with uh, people to interview while I we're on break. I would love that. I would love that. Hey, Jeff, you've got a James Tinney in the fourth interview next week. Prep. Oh, okay. Oh, did, well, you, did you read anything else set in Gotham City this yeah, week, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think I'm the only one that read Nightwing number <clears> 70, and then and then I'm, then that's all the books I read this week, and I'll be checking out and listening to my two favorite boys, but... Uh, I read Nightwing number 70 by Dan Jurgens and an artist, uh, Ryan Benjamin, inks by Scott Hanna. This was made out to be some big deal. People were asking for it all over. I guess it's a surprise prequel to the Joker War, but it didn't feel like that. Dick Grayson is still Rick Grayson. He's moving towards being Dick Grayson, but uh, the Joker <clears throat> is killing people. And looking for a crystal. Help, I'm a Rick. Help, yeah. I'm a Rick. It, Help, I'm a Rick. I'm just super... Like, I love the Joker. I love seeing the Joker. I'm excited for Dick Grayson to come back. I thought this was maybe the issue where he's coming back, and it doesn't happen. Uh, <clears throat> six. Does, does it feel like any sort of actual lead-in, or is it like some sort of sideways prequel sort of thing? To the Joker <clears throat> war? Yeah, like, do, do you, is it telegraphing at all, or are no, you just kind of... No, he decides that he needs to get this crystal that somehow helped unlock some of the memories that allowed Rick Grayson to start remembering that he's Dick Grayson. Oh, okay. So, um, 
Okay. It's it's. I think that this crystal that he steals is somehow going to be a thing that he leverages against Batman in right. the future Batman story. But it's all MacGuffins. It's like made up stuff that <clears throat> doesn't necessarily fit into the continuity of things. Well, here's something that uh, Roman and I read that I think you, Jeff, are really going to like. You guys get through that. <clears throat> I'm going to check out this X Force issue real quickly. Um, X-ray robot by Michael Allred, Laura Allred, and Nate Picos. X-ray robot. <clears throat> um. This is awesome. <laughs> it was so good. Uh. It, it made me think of like when you could still keep track of what was happening in Madman. Mm-hmm. Like eventually yeah. it got too bizarro for me and uh, and I, I didn't know what was going on anymore. But for the first probably 15 issues or so, um, Madman was a, just a really fun ride. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is this follows a super smart scientist who is jumping into the brain of a like like computering his brain so that he can see into this robot's brain while it goes dimension hopping and there's some question <coughs> about where he ends up uh, whether he's in the right universe or not whenever he lands somewhere and uh, man the art is great the colors are great it's it's just a it's just a good straightforward bizarre story. Yeah, and I really like the fact that before they get into that bizarreness, um, the, the first couple of pages they they have a little topical thing about sexual harassment in the workplace and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. They establish the the overall boss fund that controls their funding is a creep and an ass, but he's not he's not like trying to cut their funding. He's just he's just a Creep ass Dingleberry. Yeah. Whoa, Roman. <laughs> That's the strongest language I've ever heard you use, Mister. Creep oh. ass Dingleberry. Gosh, guys, <laughs> such a Dingleberry. <laughs> and then it gets into the weirdness, and I love the art. I love when he puts on the helmet and projects his his brain into the dimension traveling robot. Yeah. When it starts to dimension travel, the the art panels of that where it shows like the robot and all sorts of different configurations yeah all kind of after images of itself that's really cool and then later on a similar thing happens with him and the robot where like skeletons and brains swap in places and these crazy ghosty panels and stuff yeah yeah and he starts yeah and he starts seeing these and i love some of the references like at one point he's seen like an alternate future maybe or current alternate universe yeah and for some reason one of the styles is he's wearing a jacket that is straight out of like the village and the prisoner. And I was like, Hey, he's wearing a prisoner jacket. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think Mike already did a prisoner <clears throat> story at some point in adaptation. I think so. I want to say he did. But yeah. Oh, this sure. is just fun. <clears throat> yeah. It's I, weird and it's fun. It looks cool. Anybody who likes bizarro sci-fi, I think would get a lot out of this. I would give it an eight. What about you? Robert? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh boy. I give it at least a 9.5. Dang. I mean, and, and did you see the nine point five? Nine point five on the Richter scale on the Rome Dogs scale. <laughs> and did you see the three D page on the end? I didn't have three D glasses at home. Oh. But Django always has yeah. a pair of three D yeah. glasses on him somewhere. I can. Oh, grab- now that I think about, it, I do have a pair from the movies somewhere at home. We're like four feet and one door away from a. That's true. From a yeah, bag yeah, there's of 3D a whole glasses. page of three D on the end. Three D is a different mechanism. Than oh, that. won't work on. Yeah, this is stereoscopic matter. rather than polarized. We need the stereoscopic. Um, I didn't see the three D thing. 
I'll look at it after this yeah. podcast because I think that would make really bad radio. We, we both will. Yeah. Wow, look at that. It seems like it's got different depths on it. Wow, it's like you could so touch it. The red and the blue together makes it look really good. I wish you people could see this. Tartarus by Johnny Christmas and Jack T. Cole. This is number two, and this follows Tilda, who was the main character in the second half of the first issue. Um. This just kind of continues her adventure and the like exploration of this completely built world that Johnny Christmas and Jack T. Cole have done here. Um, it gives us a couple of flashbacks to her childhood and then shows her escaping from her situation in the last at, at the end of the last issue and ending up in arguably a worse situation. Um, the story here just kind of goes from cliffhanger to cliffhanger. It kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones in that, like, like, you know, movie, movie theater serial kind of storytelling where something bad is and exciting is happening at the end of every single scene. And um, <clears throat> if I had a complaint here, it would be that a lot of times the art feels a little too zoomed in. And I think that uh, this would benefit from a couple of extra panels telling you how things got to a certain point. Uh, it's the, the storytelling is a little bit confusing um, and I have to spend a little more time than I like to um, figuring out what's going on in some panels. Uh, but it's gorgeous and the, the story is super compelling. The characters are pretty awesome. Um, and like I said, it's a, it's a completely finished world inside of Johnny Christmas's head. And uh, I, I always appreciate it when somebody can show us you know pull something straight out of their brain and show us what's going on in the world who's johnny christmas that's the writer that's the writer um yeah and jack t cole is the artist um johnny christmas did he's done he's done a lot of stuff that uh that i haven't read but it was like um he did a chunk of sheltered he's done um william gibson's alien three or alien what, yeah, he, he did he did the comic adaptation of one of those. Yeah. He's he's done a ton of really cool um, comics, and he's mostly known as a writer, or uh, sorry, as an artist. And then this is one that he, he he put this out. He did the art for Angel Catbird, did some stuff in Island, did art for Pisces, uh, Bloodshot, Alien Three. So he's he's got some chops. Yeah. He was going to be here next month um but we you know we've canceled all of our events yeah. and uh he he's written to me a couple of times and said that he's excited to to show up after cool after all this is over so uh i would give this book i'd give this book probably an eight and uh i think i think everybody should read it i don't know if we have any number ones left but it's fabulous yeah and i don't remember if i read number one this is three right this is number two. Number one was like a double-sized issue, which started with a, a prison breakout, and then the lead character dies at the end of that, and we jump forward uh, to her daughter um, having adventures. So, like, the, the whole first 20-some pages of the story are just to give you context for what uh, what kind of morally gray bad guy her mom was. Oh, okay. Wow. And, and cool. that she's kind of living with that legacy. Yeah. So, yeah, highly, cool. highly recommended. 
Uh, Roman, did you read Deceased? I did. It was actually the first book I read this week, I think. Because um, <clears throat> it was a probe, you know, viral contagion, people dying. Oh, yeah. Um, this was a good read. <laughs> um, it was a good, another good read. I mean, I always, I'm every issue, well, this is what, issue two? But the previous, the original Deceased series and now this, I'm every issue I'm surprised at how good it is. Because mm-hmm. you don't expect it to be good. Um, yeah, it sounds like just kind of a silly setup that is going to be totally throwaway. Yeah, but. I thought it was just going to be DC's version of Marvel Zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's high-stakes stuff. People are real emotions. Um, <clears throat> in this, there's some, some villains that all have healing, like amped-up healing powers so they can't die. Like the Creeper? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Creeper. <laughs> Who's, who's, you know, their leader and the best of the team. Um, they're situated on an island, and Jim Gordon and Cassandra Kane, Batgirl, or Orphan, whatever her name is now, um, they're holed up in a building in Gotham trying to protect these children that are still alive. And in one room, they have a bunch of infected people that, you know, Gordon, he, he's like, well, we just got to keep them locked up because, you know, we can't destroy them. Right. Well, it ends up the villains, they through some cool mirror master stuff they ended up being stuck with gordon and the heroes that are still around and and some awful stuff happens nice. <laughs> was there any moment in this where you felt like maybe you were going to cry because most issues of this series have have got under my skin in some way or another um not crying necessarily but there were some moments like when when Vandal Savage she betrays Deathstroke and uses Grundy to do it because it's just so well thought out and the panel when Grundy takes out Deathstroke, it's just painful to He's watch. Such a good writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a scene when finally, um, uh, where where is it? Uh, when the villains like Deathstroke and um, his daughter and uh, Red Hood. Um, Jason Todd, they finally realize, you know, we've we can't keep these in this room of infected people around. We got to go in, and, <clears throat> and Cassandra Kane takes Gordon away. Says, you know, you you don't. Let's go somewhere. You you can't be a part of this. You right. Know, it's not who you are. And the rest of them go in and and start destroying them. But at one point, you know, Grundy gets or no Bane gets infected, and mm-hmm. he. As the infected Bane, he throws things into an even worse situation. <laughs> okay, so Roman, I just had a I had an idea. I've had an idea for kind of a zombieish story for a long time, but I think that it could apply to this this one, where they find a cure, and they bring everybody back, but all these people remember what they've done, mm. right? <clears throat> and then after everybody's dealt with kind of that emotional blow then the virus mutates and it starts all over again <laughs> oh man that'd be so good so <laughs> awful <laughs> so uh get with it tom taylor yeah <laughs> there's um is it tom king and jeff king jeff king was the one that did um convergence convergence Oh. And who I was, I confused with Tom King for a long time. Yeah. Me too. And <clears throat> Convergence was horrible, which is why I didn't read some Tom King things. Like the early uh, yeah. Nightwing stuff. And and 
yeah. um, Omega, Omega Man, Man. Yeah. and like Vision. All of those came out within a similar <laughs> chunk of time that were like good, good books. But I had read Convergence, and I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, I read this King character. Yeah. Um, so Tom Taylor somehow in my brain got lumped in with all of that. Yeah. And the the stuff of his that I've read lately makes me want to read Injustice, which is a DC property, like a DC capital P property based on a video game, which is not something I ever thought I would say I wanted to yeah, read. Yeah, and I had that problem with lumping him in. Though I do remember I read the first... Uh, um, you DCs? just said it. No, Injustice, um, Injustice. Injustice storyline. Well, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's it got was huge, awesome. huge fans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like as definitively of an Elseworlds story in DC that you can get nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. an Elseworld universe that's basically been built. And I really like when things do that. Like the Ultimate Universe is essentially yeah. a, a different iteration of what that dece- or the in- Injustice has become. Because right. we're like five yeah. seasons into this Injustice book. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like an internally <clears throat> consistent story that all spins out of a different moment in time. And it's kind of like irredeemable and incorruptible, right? Where, like, Superman is not necessarily a good guy. Yeah, like, the very first issue, like, Joker tricks Superman into thinking that he has this, like, strapped-on nuclear bomb and he's going to blow it up. So, like, Superman flies him up out of the Earth's atmosphere and beats him to death. Oh, wow. And then he realizes that he's being manipulated and it was actually Lois Lane and she was pregnant and he, like, beats her to death in space in space holy or, shit or something to that extent uh and that's, right, like, that's like the first issue uh, Dang. and so like he kind of becomes unhinged and i don't really know at all what happens after that and there's a big like zatanna and constantine stuff and all sorts of other things in it but huh. um it was something like that like superman thinks that he's no maybe he thinks that he's killing Doomsday and it's actually Lois Lane or something like that. I think like that. that was it, yeah. Yeah, but it's like Seems this like you'd really brutal. only have to hit her once. Yeah. And he, I think he Especially hit her more than that. Especially if you think it's Doomsday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Th- there was a moment in this deceased that... One of those heavy emotional moments when... And spoiler, they go into the room to kill all these infected people and uh, Jason Todd realizes he sees this one kid and he hesitates... And Deathstroke's daughter's like, "Don't hesitate. We can't we can't freeze up now." And she's like, "What's wrong?" <clears throat> and the kid that Jason Todd recognizes it's Billy Batson. Oh, oh wow! But because he's infected, he doesn't have. Maybe they can't talk. I don't know. He doesn't have the ability or doesn't remember to say Shazam. And and well, Red Hood's just like, God. "Well, shit, we got to do this." <clears throat> so they do it. <laughs> what if wow. he said Shazam and Shazam was infected? Or yeah. maybe Shazam would have the power of a god and not be able to be infected. Well, Wonder Woman's infected in this. Yeah, but there's a lot of bad boys who aren't infected in that. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Wonder so, God. Roman gave that a 10.1 or whatever. Oh, wait, we didn't, we didn't score oh, this. I haven't read it. What do you give it? Oh, I'll give it a 9. Oh. <clears throat> Close. You know what? I, can, I want to go back to X-Ray Robot. I'll give that a 10. Then, oh! Goodish! Goodish! You me like that. Uh, so I might have, for I might have two tans though this week. Oh my god. Um Roman. Yes, Django. Speaking of X-ray robots. Did you read X-Force number 9 or 9? <laughs> I, I did. 
Um, but I don't remember <coughs> I anything. Also did. But I don't remember anything about it. Let me let me take a quick look here. Yeah, party and party. Jeff, do you remember well, anything about it? I remember things about it from back when I you read, read it? it. I read it while you guys talked about X Ray Robot and deceased. So listen, if you people are listening to us um, and you feel like our podcast is too long, it's fine. You can read a comic while we're talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't get to read as many as I would like earlier in the week, so I needed to to get this one out. That's right. I read Robin's 80th while you guys were talking about it. <laughs> X-Force number nine. So this is by Ben Percy, who I really like now. Like he's yeah. He's done the Wolverine issue. He did this. And he did some previous stuff that I also liked that I can't remember right now in this moment. But And then it's got Joshua Kassara on art, who is, is pretty good, not at all bad. But then this is the book that will either have Dean White on colors or somebody else on colors, but because Dean White's not quite quick enough to do every two or three weeks <clears throat> when this comes out. <clears throat> but I really, really like this issue. Roman, um, maybe since I just read it, I can express yes, some thoughts and I'll jog you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. it starts out with this drunken revelry on the island and it reminds me of like great gatsby in a way that <laughs> no like in a troubling way like yeah. all of these rich <clears throat> opulent people who just fill their time by getting drunk and playing russian roulette with claws in their head and if the bottle lands on you the, you put claws in your head and die and and then you have to get reborn and then there's this double page <clears throat> well they have healing factors so yeah it's, oh. it's dakin and wolverine oh okay. um, or else yeah you would have to there's this like amazing <coughs> double page spread that's like an x-men where's waldo piece that is beautifully drawn and you could spend a lot more time on it than i spent because there's like bits of like uh, Nightcrawler bamfing all over the place, like doing things. It's there's probably 50 X-Men on this double-page spread, and it's beautifully colored by um, Dean White. There's all these hidden little cute jokes, like Jean Grey and Cyclops are drinking out of tiki glasses that are shaped like Apocalypse's head. <laughs> or there's like little tiki men by the stage that Dazzler's performing on that has Cyclops' old costume. Uh, Apocalypse is just sadly sitting alone and drinking at a table. It's just all this like amazing character work uh done as a double page spread that you get to walk through it's it's visually like absolutely yeah. incredible yeah it was amazing experience. and then you get to spend a little time briefly with black tom cassidy and roman you had brought up like a general hesitation about krakoa mm, yeah and i'm agreeing with that more and more especially as we observe black tom cassidy who is like psychically linked with the island and it's like, you know, at one point he looks down at this giant punch bowl of alcohol, and he's, he's saying, Black Tom's in the island, and the island's in Black Tom. And he says, no, not here, leave Black Tom be, um, when the island's face shows up. Like, he's in this abusive relationship at yeah. this point. <clears throat> and, and it just, yeah, it reminds me of, like, Gatsby, of just, like, the rich people just having these parties. And, you know, when you remove all of the hardship from your life, what benefit do you have? Like you just get the 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 problems inherent within excess and privilege are just sort of like grossly masturbatorial. And then the X Force, Wolverine Domino, who's been backed up to a different body, and Kid Omega try to go through a Krakoan gate to a place <clears throat> where they were recently where like Beast was being like really manipulative because the president of this country wasn't going to agree to the Krakoan thing, and then his son was murdered, 
in this like terrorist attack that beast made it look like was some other people but actually the kid died because of the krakoan drugs or, or something like that but anyway the x-men are trying to get through this gate and they can't get through it and they realize that there's blood on the other side so kid omega like shoots the doorway and on the other side of this gate is like 30 corpses that have been absorbed by the Krakoan gate and there's like flowers coming out of their bodies. So there's been like a barrier created on this gate of dead bodies. Wow. Um, that they like blow up to go to this country that has had, they've had some relationship with in the last couple of issues. Um, there's like a Mayan temple, but black Tom Cassidy is like getting pulled around by beast and he's like losing his mind being cyclically linked up with Krakoa. And okay. Like, this story is, is opening it's parting the kimono, if you will, to some of what I think are the critical uh, questions to be posed by this Dawn of X stuff. Like, I would say that this series, while seemingly ancillary because it's an X-Force book, is actually the most important tertiary book to the overall plot of Dawn of X. Mm. So how much of this plot do you think Hickman is behind? I don't know. Because... That seems like a really big thing, and it yeah. seems like something that would have to come from the top. I mean, I, I know I know Hickman doesn't like to say that he's well, they definitely the do. architect of this whole thing, but he he's the head of X. He's the head of X, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, you know, like they they have these writer summits. The X Men ones have been doing them several times a year to mm-hmm. make sure everybody's on the same page for all these stories. I think that. I haven't been reading Excalibur, but I think maybe important stuff's been happening with that, which is right. why we have the Ten of Swords. <clears throat> Um, event is going to be coming up that's mostly X-Men Excalibur related. I bet after that we're going to be dealing with a pretty important arc that's going to be sort of X-Force X-Men related. So I'm sure that it's all within the heads of everybody and it's working to tell a story that is important relative to the whole. But So I'm sure it's on Hickman's radar. Did Domino die to get reborn or is she still in that tank because i think the last panel of x-force i read she was being she had been partially skinned in order for those guys to attack the island she was like healing and then she was having these horrible ptsd things and on the island i actually don't think i read the previous issue of this series because it wasn't dean white on colors and whatever um and we were out of town the week it came out actually Mm -hmm. but maybe the the it sounds like she's been physically rebooted and now she's not having these bad nightmarish PTSD symptoms. She's like, okay. I'm aware of what happened over there, but I'm not like reliving them like I was. So I think her consciousness yeah. was backed up in a different body. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's implied that that's not necessarily a a good thing because it's, it's, it's divorcing you from your experiences. Right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's another seed. You're right. Yeah. Like, this is planting some really important seeds with the foundation of what's happening in the Dawn of X stuff. So it's... It's great. I would give it an 8.5, but I read it sort of a little bit quicker um, and around you guys talking, so I had my di- attention divided, so I <clears> skipped <throat> one of the infographics, but um, it's it's really good. 8.5, might, maybe a 9 if I had given it my full attention. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd also do an 8.5, because, yeah, this is hinting at things that, that especially with Black Tom and Krakoa, that I, I oof. It's it's creepy. Beast is creepy. Um <clears throat> That art was great. There was something in here. Oh, and Black Tom mentions, you know, one of the characters I hadn't thought about. He mentions, oh, don't piss me off or we'll get our old buddy Kane Marco in here. It's like, yeah, where's Juggernaut and all this? And why isn't he around? Is he a mutant? I think that he's in the... Well, that's true. Is he a mutant? Well, yeah, he is. 
I'm pretty sure, and I believe that he is he has a mini series coming up, like in this month's previews. Like there's a, a Juggernaut series announced. He might be in that prison beneath Krakoa, like with, um, oh. uh, you know, with Omega, Omega Red. Red. It just made me wonder. It's like if he is in the prison, why is Krakoa keeping him locked up? Is there something about his Sidorak powered helmet and stuff that makes him hard to control or influence or whatever? Yeah, maybe that's true. It'll be interesting to see what that miniseries says. What yeah. if Krakoa? All right. All right, Jeff. Okay. Stay with me for a second oh, here. Right. I know. Uh, let me let me give you something that you would cut out under normal circumstances. <laughs> this COVID nineteen is the best thing for my crazy ha- ideas <laughs> that I have in the middle of a podcast, a beer and a half in, at ten a.m. Um, How do I turn <clears throat> you down? Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> okay, so religion and politics. Fuck off! Oh God. Uh, okay, here's here's my question. What if Krakoa is a double omega level mutant. Is that a thing? Double omega? It wasn't until Krakoa came around. Until I had this around. beautiful fucking idea. <laughs> and it is influencing all of the X-Men. Yeah, I think that right? I think that we're we're looking at some you know, um 1984 Brave New World like uh Soma type psychic Thing. Well, well, that's what I've been saying. Right, yeah, but he yeah. has been saying that. And the only way, the only person, or maybe people, who can um, see through the cracks would be... The crack cause. Kate Pride and Juggernaut. Or anybody else or that we're Black, missing. And Black Tom Cassidy. <clears throat> well, he can like see it, but, but Krakoa's messing with him, right? Like, Krakoa still has access to yeah. twist him. Yeah, yeah. and and... <clears throat> or it could be that... Krakoa is affecting Charles, or maybe Charles is like using Krakoa to do this stuff. But I would say Charles is up there. And again, I'm not. I'm still not convinced that that's Charles. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and I still think that Krakoa, yeah, is influencing, maybe controlling Charles and Magneto, and and through them, everyone else. What if? Because <laughs> that's what he. That's what Krakoa did in his first appearance. <laughs> Dude, what if Moira's whole thing is not real? Listen, at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy number three by Al Ewing and a whole bunch of artists, <laughs> Marvel just slow a book down so that this this whole Marvel COVID and thing DC. are they are slowing books down. People are delaying books now. Hopefully, it gives all these artists a chance to catch up on their work. Praise the Lord! But in the final page of Guardians number three, there is a giant badger, no, sorry, a giant beaver sitting at a table. And there's a picture of him sitting there exactly like he's sitting, and it says Caster Nawbark the Second. We don't need no stinking beavers. Tell me about Guardians of the Galaxy number three because (laughs) there's a giant beaver at the end of it who's adorable. He's in a suit at a desk. Like Justin Beaver? No, better. (laughs) Caster Nawbark. Justin Better Beaver. This was a fun read, this book. Guardians of the Galaxy number three. It's been fun. It's one of those. It's one of those books I wasn't gonna read, but Al Ewing is writing it, so I kind of have to. There was some other. God, there was some other book this week I read just because his name was on the cover, and I was really not wanting to read it. Immortal Hulk. Oh no, I always want to read that. <laughs> um, yeah, because the whole thing with Guardians is the team is split up. Uh, apparently, um, Star Lord was killed last issue. Gamora's really angry and sad about it. Um, Rocket, who's back to health, tries to reunite with them, and she's mad because she blames Rocket for Star-Lord's death. So she she slaps him around and makes him leave their, their planet. Um, so there's a couple of Guardians teams running around, and there's duplicates of some of the Guardians. Um, 
Duplicates. Dupes. Yes. Dupes. 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 God, that was another thing I liked in the X-Force giant panel. There was various dupes of Madrox doing things yeah. all over the, the, the but party. But there were not any dupes. There Dupe. weren't any dupes. Yeah, where's Dupe in all this? He's got Is he another one that's invulnerable to Krakoa, maybe? Gotta Who knows? Um, except is Dupe an alien? Well, he's an... Is he a mutant? Is he an alien? He's a mutant alien? Unclear. Yeah. What is dupe? Um, dupe is. Um, <laughs> I wish dupe was. <laughs> the, the, but to answer your question, Jeff, the uh, I think this series brings back, maybe you know, Django, Bucky O'Hare, who's, a, who's the rabbit version of Rocket Raccoon. Oh, um, um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with Bucky O'Hare. The only O'Hare I know is Tulip. From Preacher. Oh, yeah. Well, Bucky is a space rabbit, bounty hunter type dude. And at the end of this issue, the I think the beavers, as far as I know, are just made up now for this story. I think Al Ewing loves those, like, there's that guy or, like, the frog-headed yeah, person he loves these, who is a terrible space lawyer. These goofy yeah. space humanoid animal characters. Because yeah. um, Blackjack O'Hare was Bucky. It's either Bucky O'Hare or it's Bucky O'Hare's brother is Blackjack. I forget which. Mm. So this but, is a fun read, or is it like... It's fun. Or is it like... It's, Al Ewing also has the ability... Like, I really like Ultimates or Immortal Hulk, where he yeah. seems to be like scratching at some concepts that are outside the realm of most fiction. Is that present at all here, or is this... Because he um, also likes a good time. Yeah, I don't think so. This is more fun. I mean, there's some weird concepts. It's It was kind of confusing for me, this issue, because I didn't realize, and maybe I wasn't supposed to, in the previous issue, that the Moon Dragon and the Phylus Vel that were fighting alongside them were actually not the originals. There's ones from an alternate dimension. Sure. Um, so there's some playing around with time, that kind of stuff, and, and there's some great flashbacks to a saxophone to Drax player. before he was killed when he was just a normal human, um, and he was this uh, he was this sax player like, like Ron's alter ego on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parks and Rec. Yeah, Parks and Rec, and I can't remember the name of his sax player, cool guy. Um, Drax was a human? I yeah, Drax. Always, always no, alien. in the movies, Drax is an alien <clears throat> from an alien race. In the comics, he was a human being. Him and his wife were killed in a car a car crash caused Duke by Silver. Duke Silver, yes, Duke Silver. Jacob, I'm cold. Um, you want a hug? No, I just <laughs> want the heat on. <laughs> oh God, don't turn the heat on. Um, um, I'll turn the heat on. I don't, no, care. I don't know what to do. Turn, turn oh, it on. Turn it on. Turn it on. Patter. Turn on. But no, Drax, they were happened to be killed accidentally because Thanos was like, came into Earth's atmosphere and was shooting past the road in a ship and it caused these humans to crash and die. Oh, okay. Thanos wasn't even aware of it. But those humans, the guy who was resurrected as Drax, that's actually Moondragon's dad. Huh. Drax is Moondragon's father. Okay. But they get into this issue, am I really your father? Because I'm a whole new being. I was recreated as Drax the Destroyer to, to kill Thanos. Roman, I need to put a pin in this Guardians discussion here <laughs> about Alienated, which you keep gesticulating at is like maybe a 10. So can you give me yes. a Guardians score and then oh. get to the importance? Guardians, uh, 7. But the beaver is very cute. The beaver, is, the beaver gets like a, a 9. <laughs> the beaver gets a 9. You yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. Roman says the beaver gets a 9. Yeah. I'm waiting for Django's joke. I'm what? I am resisting <laughs> beaver jokes so hard right now. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but it's an adorable beaver, and he's and wearing a monocle, and he's got a. It's it's, it's, it's I love it. Um, what do you got? A beaver with a monocle. What do you got? Roman? I thought that was gonna be a chant. A beaver with a monocle. 
You read Alienated. I did. Alienated by Simon Spurrier and Chris Wildgoose, that's actually the name, and Andre May. Um, this is issue number two. I don't know. If, did you guys read number one? I did. Jeff did. Uh, it was a cool setup. Basically, these three high school kids um, f- find this alien in the woods. The alien acts accidentally or maybe purposely, they don't know, links their minds. All three of the kids are named Sam. There's Samantha and Samuel and Sam. Um, <coughs> their minds end up being linked through this alien, and they end up kind of taking turns caring for this alien that's child size and got got tendrils and stuff. But the and, and that's all really cool and well done, but the twist is there's a bully kid who encounters them in the woods, confronts them, He's the bully from the first issue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, confronts him in the first issue. And they accidentally, in reacting, maybe kill him, maybe just send him to another dimension. They don't know what happened. <laughs> and it's really cool that they're trying to adjust to this because they can hear each other's thoughts in each other's heads. And they're trying to figure out, one of them refers to this, beginning of this issue, we spent the last couple of days just trying to kind of firewall each other's thoughts from each other because we're going to go nuts. Um and and one of the characters, the girls, really take charge, direct. She wants to, you know, one of them's kind of like, God, I don't know. One of the kids is doing a social media thing in disguise every morning where he just talks about some social political stuff and activism. And the bully kid, they start, <clears throat> the social activist kid, he uh, starts getting flashes of the bully kid's loneliness and what's really driving him this kid was maybe gonna commit a school a shooting mm-hmm. they, he gets memories of this kid was getting this gun and like I'll show them and blah 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 um, <laughs> blah 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 yeah, yeah. you know it's one of the crises in America blah 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 we all know yada 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 yeah great um, <laughs> so now they're trying to figure out there's just a lot of unlike my just now, there's a lot of great social commentary in this because they go to school and there's a girl who's really playing it up, like going, oh my God, we miss whatever the bully kid's name was. We miss him so much and it's so sad and we want the family and she's crying and everything and she's just doing this because she wants attention. Right. Each of these characters <clears throat> wants to be seen somehow and, they, and the way they express that or don't express that, lock it up, it's all very well explored. So... I read the first issue, and I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was bad at all, but I think that it ended in an inconvenient spot because the spot that it ended had a really typical boom comics sort of like, here's a Mm. bunch of kids in a situation that's a little over their heads, and maybe it's an alien or maybe it's fantasy. We write these things good all the time, so... Exactly, and yeah, not to disparage boom because I think they're great, but I do think that a lot of a good portion of their product can kind of be lumped into this strange sort of like identity development high school age yeah stuff and and that's not bad i think it's for everybody or it, it's there's some some of that for everyone i wasn't super super interested in in where the first issue ended but hearing you be as fond of this one as 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 you are makes me really want to read the second issue now thanks yeah and it's and yeah they should have ended the first issue like the first Five pages of the second issue should have been the end of the first issue. Because it ended just sort of like we found an alien <laughs> yeah, in the woods, yeah. and it's like okay, they should, yeah, they should have. I'll bet we could there. tell this exact thing to the people at Boom who are friendly and open to 
conversation like this it, and let they, them know that like this this book would have caught us a lot better if we had five more pages. Is that a boom thing or is that a thing <clears throat> for the writer? I Simon don't know. Spurrier. I don't know. Simon but, Spurrier is probably not trying to listen to two random comic shop people. No, but he might listen to Boom. Yeah. And if they say, look, we need we need something that is not the formula for first issues. Even Robert <clears throat> De Niro is an incredible actor, but he gets typecast. Sometimes Boom gets a little bit typecast. Yeah. And if you have one issue to catch somebody, maybe giving them a different twist. Did you guys ever see Alias? No. It was no. one of... Uh, yeah, Jennifer Garner. Yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> it was one of the first things that. Uh, who's the Who's the guy that did the Star Trek reboots? J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams TV shows, okay. and it's basically Jennifer Garner as James Bond, right? Like she's a super spy, and the first episode opens kind of like Indiana Jones in the last oh. portion of an adventure that she's having, and then she resolves that adventure. You know, and then she gets her new mission and the end of the episode is her on the cliffhanger. And then the beginning of the next episode is they wrap that up and she gets a new mission. Mm-hmm. And so just that slight shift in storytelling in, in story place. Plot. Yeah. 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 Like, like at. shaking up that curve that you have for stories is it made the whole thing really compelling. And I think. A lot of comics like Tartarus, yeah. when they experiment with that, we get <coughs> we get more out of it. Yeah, I think that so many things... Well, Django's always like, we should reanalyze how we do things as a business because why should we... Ask the question of why do we do things a certain way. And if we do them because that's how they've always been done, that's not a good reason to keep doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't always see eye to eye on that. But I, I compare that to like storytelling like right. I, I think that that argument is a thing that people should make all the time in their life like yeah. why and i think that we're kind of stuck in a rut of like well the first issue and you end the first issue and here's a cliffhanger <clears> and <throat> then you start the second one and i it's think that formula. there's yeah i think there's a lot of room to experiment with things like that and that's one of the reasons i love like hickman <laughs> or other things is because i think they experiment with the formula of a, a lot of things roman hmm. a 10 is that hmm. what you're telling me I was, but now now I'm now I'm questioning it. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I think that everything that I was just saying was supporting what you were saying, which is that I th- I think I still will because flipping through it again, you know, because I read it a few days ago. Uh, at one point, the three teenagers they they the girl that's like playing it up and like they their school must be a good school because they even have like their own uh, uh, television kind of broadcasting thing that they do. She goes on there and she's just playing this whole thing up and kind of leading the the memorials and everything for this kid she never cared about. So in order to kind of get back at her, they decide to play a trick using the alien's powers to um, convince her that that she has a vision of of God, angels and God. Mm. And it starts off as yeah, a pretty good trick, but <clears throat> what it does to her emotionally, it's like oh geez. Um, <laughs> And it's just really well handled, and, and that kind of, the emotional beats in it, I really like. <clears throat> a lot of times, the pranks that you play have much farther reaching repercussions yeah. than you realize. So Roman yeah. was just, so 9.5 <clears throat> or 10, you're sticking with the 10. 
Like that time I slept under Roman's bed every night for a week? <laughs> yeah. I'll never recover from that. No, you never will, but you're the one who had that idea, and you did it, and that was yep, your fault. Yep. And no one no one is going to have your back on you feeling bad for <clears> you. I don't know you. what that creepy noise is down there, but I'm going to I'm gonna make a friend. <laughs> um, but Roman said they must be a good school because they have this closed-circuit television thing. It made me then think about the beginning of the movie Grease, where they also have a closed-circuit television thing that they use for broadcasting in the morning. Wait, what? Wait, uh, a remake? In the original? Oh yeah, I don't remember that. My well, school in the middle of Wyoming had that. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a. Well, I mean, they have a like television. They even make a point in it that our school's lucky to have this because it's a whole hooked up television broadcasting. It's like, probably social broadcasting media. outside of the school, whereas yeah. the thing I'm thinking about is within the school. But I'm thinking about Greece. I'm thinking about a conversation I had with Django yesterday. Or two days ago, rather. Hang on. Where he said that he has not seen Dazed and Confused. That's true. Oh. And then there's American Graffiti, Never which seen I haven't the whole seen. thing. And so, which <clears> is what all these movies. Happy, ta- happy Days, Happy Town. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious. Grease, American Graffiti, Dazed and Confused. I've got to watch them all. You've not seen any of these? It doesn't of fucking surprise me at all that Django has not watched these like seminal coming of age high school era stories because I don't equate the sort of 16 to 22 <clears throat> life cycle that I went through. I don't put that in my Django canon. Well, and all those movies came out when I was either a little too young or like there's been a lot of media since then. So like that that era of my life from like well really when i was born until i was about 14 i didn't have the same access to media that everybody else does because we were traveling on the road with no tv and a thing like greece for me born in 89 is like this is a classic you should watch it or days confused as a high schooler you're like oh you're starting to smoke weed this is kind of a classic but by the time you're 14 and you've got this giant backlog plus every awesome movie that's come out since i turned 14 Shit has slipped through the cracks. I've never seen Jaws from start to finish. Well, man. also, what I was saying is that Roman, stop looking at me like that. <laughs> I just own it, man. People are like, you've not seen this, you garbage. Raiders boy. of the Lost Ark. You've piece not seen of shit. the long list that Roman's working on of movies I haven't seen. But my point is that um, by the time I was eight, Gre- Greece was a classic. Uh-huh. Um, but you take my eight years of life and then the twelve years that you and I are a difference. You know, that's like a twenty-year difference. Greece had not become a classic when you were that age to you because it hadn't had the time to become a classic yet. Right. Whereas Days and Confused, it, it takes time to become a thing that is, is regarded as that. So it totally makes sense that, um, like, the difference in our age. Uh, yeah, so, like, my classics with the same gap, if I'm if I'm understanding this right, would be Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Which hold a very strong place in my yeah. heart, regardless of how good or not they are. So Days and Confused... We should watch. Mm-hmm. I want to watch Jason Confused again. I guess Netflix just put out something where you can watch movies together in different houses. Yeah. Yeah. That's a kind of fun idea. Sure. Sure. Um, How's everybody's bandwidth doing this Well, you week? can do it with Skype. I mean, you can do that dual screen thing or not. Yeah, even but Skype screen. is for computers, whereas Netflix, we could theoretically be doing it on like my PlayStation. Oh, see, so I forget television. that. The only way I do Netflix is on my computer. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to hook it to my TV. Yeah. It's nice to be I'll able to watch things from your TV. And cough but all over everything. I don't. I don't know if it can go to my TV. I don't know if my TV has that capability. I'm pretty sure that your computer or your TV has an HDMI import. 
and your computer surely has an HDMI out. Yeah. This is a uh, so anyway. Have we gotten to the party part? Did, we get, this is did the party. we get a number from I that man? It's a ten. It's a ten. Actually, nine point five oh, on the Rick the scale because it wasn't as good as X Ray Robot. Okay. Nothing that and you know Plunge was really good, but not as good as X Ray Robot. I never got to say my um. Mm. I think this is really interesting. The thing you brought up because like for me, yeah, Grease. Classic, you know, then music, the, the music's great. In he fact, was 36 when it came out, he's 36 yeah. now. Yeah. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, the first and second Superman films. Ooh, I want to watch Superman, dude. Man. Superman one and two and four. Two is the one where he's flicking the peanuts and drunk, yeah. Yeah, I gotta watch that, that one. Again. That was the See, best I haven't seen that. two, I haven't seen any of the Christopher Reeves movies in over a decade yeah. as well, so. But please continue. I think I, have, I think I have most of those. Is four the one where he goes back to Smallville? Four is the one. <laughs> I have always, as a child, for some reason, I've always been in love with the stories of the hero and then the bad version of the hero. Mm -hmm. So for, for whatever, if it's played out nowadays, but when I was a kid, it really did hit me. So four is the one with like Nuclear Man. Okay, which like gets split in half. The yeah. dude that, just like, yeah. I love the fictional stories of like, you've got the prototypical person. And, but then, like, oh, what about the bad version of that character? So, like, Reverse Flash is a thing I love. Or, like, the, the JLA Earth 2 Hick or Morrison story. Like, right. I just love – I've always loved those since I was a little kid. Like, you know, the, the Power Rangers. What about the bad Power Rangers? What about the Grim Knight? What about the Batman who laughs? You you must love that I guy. I must love him. But you were getting <laughs> at – What was I getting at? Well, just sort of your oh, own just, movies just, that are Yeah, just that. it's interesting because, like, like, I've seen all those movies. American Graffiti, good movie. It was I've before my it. time, so, you know. Doesn't have any resonance with me other than it was Harrison Ford's second movie, I think maybe. Yeah, and it was his. Like, it was the reason that he didn't want to be in Star Wars or Indiana Jones because uh, he didn't want to get typecast as a guy that Steven Spielberg hired. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is um, like that's amazing to me that somebody would not want that now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 that's a career maker. Yeah, you, yeah. Would, you would think that, oh, well, guaranteed jobs, come on. Right. But, yeah, and, and Days and Confused, yeah, it was funny, but it doesn't hold any resonance for me at all. Because for me, it was, well, that's just a lesser version of Animal House and <clears throat> Blues Brothers. And, you know, those were my... <laughs> well, so, Animal House and Blues Brothers... Or Cheech and Chong movies. So... I classify Days and Confused as a slightly different thing, which is it's it's a movie that takes place over one day that is at that moment of when you finish school. Um, and it follows several groups of people. <clears throat> one of them is the stoners. And I yeah. think that it, I think that it, maybe the stoner aspect is what it's most remembered for. But as a person <clears throat> who had just started smoking weed and watched that movie, the stoner element is much smaller than the, the overall element mm. of the story. Um, and not to say that you're wrong, but I think that we should rewatch it. I would love to rewatch it because I, it, it is intentionally meant to be American graffiti for a, like a 20 years <clears throat> down the line. Like it is where, huh. where animal house and blues brothers are like sort of like a party big fictional movies. yeah party movies. I don't consider dazing the days confused <clears throat> Is a, is a Richard Linklater film like it's it's like One Night in Paris or and maybe we just view things differently which isn't which isn't bad maybe they're all like lumped in the same thing to you but like I, I love those movies that take place over one day 
in a critical time in a person's life. Like Memento. And and you watch I, I don't know I just I've like, never seen you roll your eyes at me like that. I before. didn't roll my eyes, I just ignored it. Um, but I am I am sitting we're we're sitting at a different table setup which is much further apart than everybody and instead of both of you guys being in my line of sight all the time like our normal podcast I have to actually turn my head to look at one of you guys to the other. So you can't tell when we got a joke fart brewing, which is difficult. Um but anyway, I would I would like to watch Days Confused with you because I love Richard Linklater and I think that he uses time incredibly interesting in his stories. Like he did one one night in Paris or like he did those movies that like you film and then he has the same cast and they film another movie ten years later as a follow up and they the film before another sunset and after yeah, sunset those are the ones, is that him yeah yeah oh I like those two and yeah. then Boyhood which is the movie that he filmed yeah. over fifteen years following it. the same group of people once a year they would get together for a week and film another scene for this movie I have not ever felt like I had the emotional fortitude to watch that dude I avoided it actively until a year ago when Sam had to watch it for a class. And it is, I actively was like, people were like, it made me think about you. You should watch this. And I was like, nah, nah. I finally watched it. I think every person should watch that movie. But I think particularly if you're a male, it is amazing. Like, it has Ethan Hawke, who is a Richard Linklater guy that he just, he's in those before sunset, after sunset movies that are filmed years after each other. And then Twilight is the, the interquel, right? Yeah. But, but Boyhood it's like two and a half hours long. I could not like, please watch that with your quarantine time because it is just, he starts filming a young boy when he's 12. And then once a year they film another scene until he's like 20 and it is incredible. But to the point where like, it's also like he started filming it probably around the time that I was like 15 and this kid was like 12. So like, in the bedroom of the kid, he has the same Dragon Ball Z blanket <laughs> comforter that I had. Or, like, he has the same posters on his wall that I had. So, it's particularly, I think, poignant to, like, my generation. But um, I think that Richard Linklater is one of the most interesting people making movies <clears throat> out there. And Days and Confused was, like, his first, one of his first movies. Anyway, I would I would Did, love to talk to you about Days and Confused. <clears throat> I haven't watched sure. it since high school, so. Yeah. Yeah. Did he do Rushmore? No, that's that's Wes Anderson. Oh, okay, so Wes Anderson's the one I don't care for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. That's fair. Did he do um, Almost Famous? No, no, that was like Anton Corbin or Gus Van Sant yeah, or something like that. Did not he, not one of those, but similar. neither of those. Did yeah. he do Anton Corbin? I don't know why I grouped him in there, but he's a photographer mostly, right? Like he is Tom Waits's photographer. Um, well, you keep talking, and I'll do a little you, bit of research. You know, that's okay. that's the reason um, recently 68 Up came out, and I've always regretted that – I forget the director, but there's a director that's starting when this group of kids were like eight years old or something. I think every 10 years or something, he does another film, and each one is like eight up, 16 up, and now he's to 68 with this group of huh. now they're senior citizens. right. And I've always regretted that I didn't see those movies because now you could watch them all together, but right. it loses the impact. It loses a little bit. I mean, that's I, – I don't – Jeff probably cut this out when I said it at some point <laughs> on the podcast because it's just kind of masturbatory. But here we are in the apocalypse masturbating. of everyone. <laughs> um, what are you guys talking about? I'm at, I'm at home. We got the remote hookups here. Uh, right. I would really like to have 
like a Twitter feed or a YouTube feed that shows you historical events in real time. So like the lead up and uh, fallout from World War II in real, okay, today we get this news story. Two weeks from now, we get this news story. And then like things start speeding up and you get more and more and more and more. But just to give you the perspective of how something like that unfolds, mm -hmm. like yeah. you could do it with um, World War II, you could do it with Trump getting elected, you know, like if, if you wanted to do something really recent, because I think people have forgotten even that, how how it happened and, and kind of show you how history gets slow boiled like a frog. Um, and I'm so I, I love experimenting with time through art like that. I, like he Anton Corbin did a ton of music videos. He did a ton of band photography and then he did movies about artists like he did Control, huh. which was about um, the dude from Joy Division. Um, Ryan, I'm sorry, I can't place his name right now. Um, and he did a movie called The American with George Clooney. Oh, wow. A most Wanted Man. Um, a movie called Life in 2015. I don't know why I equated him with these same people, but that's interesting because he's um, like I know him strictly as the guy that has taken so many pictures of Tom Waits, like the elusive Tom Waits, right. that he um, has at least one, maybe two photo books of Tom Waits. Dude, boyhood guys. Okay. It's like it's amazing watching the dad character grow. It's amazing watching the the main character grow. The sister of the main character, like the mom, is um, the person, the woman he uses in so many movies that I can't think of her name right now. But it just like it's amazing, Roman. I think that you would really, really be. I think you the thing that lives in both of us that we have in common <clears throat> is what I really liked about that movie. I think that you'd really like it. Can we brainstorm some uh, some stuff here for our party, our, our mullet casts? Yeah, we can. I mean, I, I have a couple things I'm excited to talk to you guys about. Okay. Well, we got we got 30 minutes. Yeah. Just real quick. Yeah. What if we had a segment where one of us proclaims to be some amount of an expert on a non-comic book thing. Okay. And the other people either listen to them just talk about it or interview them about that thing. Okay. What? Okay. So next week we'll start this. Okay. Also, I, I'm down to be doing these more than once a week. Sure. I mean, I, I got nothing but time to kill. Yeah. Um, I feel like I could do it on Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. I could probably, I mean, I could do it on the shadow. That's that's more comic book related than I was thinking. But even that, like, I would love to talk to Roman for twenty minutes about Plastic Man, yeah, or the Creeper, or yeah. uh, why the Hulk gives him a boner. Um, Godzilla, <clears throat> Godzilla, Godzilla, another green boner machine for Romain. Okay, the Holocaust. Not as much of a green boner machine. <laughs> Let's back out of that one and go to the other nineteen ninety three movie I started today. Oh yeah. Django, are, are, you, are, you, are you gonna finish Tombstone? I am gonna finish Tombstone, okay, but yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> so um, I'll be sure you finish that. No, I will. I, I will. think my rule for the apocalypse is gonna be to not leave a movie undone. Ah, fuck you! I'll be there in twenty minutes. Okay, so <laughs> I know that Django is gonna have a hard time hearing anything about this movie because ninety-three because. He's working with a paradigm that doesn't require this movie. But what I realized while watching it 
is how incredibly important it is to me. And I hope that Django can appreciate it just from that. And I know Roman appreciates it. Now, Django, I know. <laughs> I that love the lead up. It's you don't. You this don't, is you don't. This is my favorite it's thing to do to you guys over text it's messages be right now. It's going to be disappointing to you. Um, <laughs> I know that this whole thing falls under a blind spot to you. Okay. But I hope that at some point you can engage in it and look at it with fresh eyes in the way that. Like when we read Batman Year One, uh-huh. I was sort of able to access Django being young reading this. Okay, and it meant more to me in that regard. Oh man. Okay. Is this? Uh, oh, I, I know what it is. <laughs> is it? It's Joe's apartment with the cockroaches. No, the MTV never, movie. I've never seen that movie, but I remember being yeah, a I've little kid and going to the movie and the movie store and seeing that VHS tape, <laughs> and it would always say "Sex, Drugs, Roaches" <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> And I remember being well, like, I want that, the first two. I, that, that movie says the word sex on it. That's a dirty. <laughs> I rented Sex, Lies, and Videotape once looking for something titillating. It was not. <laughs> More like titulator. Oh, it's um, such a good movie, though. Jeez. Um, not at 13. Well, no, no. no. Why, why are we watching Once you're this in your garbage? 20s, it's a good movie. <laughs> so, dude, I know you don't care, but. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, oh, sweet. Dude. <laughs> so. Still one of the best Batman movies. 93. I was four years old. I'm adding it to my apocalypse right now. I have it on Blu-ray. <clears throat> it's, I'm four years old. It's 1993. I'm four years old. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a Watchmen reference. Um, no, but like. I sent my as I was watching this, I sent my mom a message today that like I was saying like, dude, I'm up early this morning watching a 1993 animated Batman movie that you and Dad let me watch earlier than I should have. Like, and and I was telling her I was like, this movie is what defined what Batman was to me. It's also the first time I ever remember seeing a flashback in a story. Oh wow! Like I. I remember being like at one point the, the whole and so I said it's the first time I saw a flashback it's also the first time I remember dual narratives being told in a story and it also is like very scary and the opening sequence <clears throat> I just want Django to like see the opening sequence because it is 100% what Gotham always is to me in the animated series and that movie specifically has a take on Gotham by Bruce Tim that has never been replicated. Like the super art deco Gothic art deco. Like I love it. Tall buildings. All of the windows are like two times the size of a normal building building. And they're all too thin. Yeah. They're all thin, tall windows. The theme song in, from that movie is the most like dark Gothic theme song. And it's what I hear in, in goth. It is, so, like, in the way that year one, I appreciate on a higher level now just because it's, like, what... It's my Jango- year one also. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's Django's <clears throat> introduction to Batman. Uh-huh. This Mask of the Phantasm, like, the first appearance that he makes in the movie... Like, I didn't see this in the theater, but my dad bought me a VHS copy of it earlier than I was supposed to. And I told my mom, I was like, in an era of, like, people not showing their kids spooky things or things that are going to have to make them explain life to them before they're ready. Like you guys let me see this. 
and it's what made me fall in love with Batman at age four. Like it's you were four. Yeah. Wow. It came out in '93. Like it is, <clears throat> it is so like, and that's why I love the blue cape and the yellow emblem. Yep. Like the music is perfect. There are scenes in it that are like burned into my brain, and it's like actually for like a four-year-old, it's way too scary. So I mean. I don't think that there's a formula where you can say scare a kid this much in order to give them a life-changing experience. But I think that kids are a lot more resilient and a lot more resistant to things that are going to really damage them. Like I agree. Something that is going to actually hurt a kid, I think that they have a switch in their brain that's just like, nah, don't understand it, push it away. And... And like a story that's going to stick with them, I think can be more beneficial than harmful to a kid. And that's not to say show your kids Walking Dead because a it doesn't have any flashbacks, and b it that probably is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, but just like the idea of a kid who's four being a little bit scared, but also having that being like a like a life defining. It- it was moment. Life, my mom responds. She's like, "Wow, I'm so happy to be hearing you say this. That's so cool." You but like, tell Bruce Tim, man, we can get a hold of that guy. <laughs> yeah, I you're guarantee right. we can get a hold of him. It it is like what seeing that at that age, it pushed my perception of reality outwards in every regard. Like about what Batman was, about how to tell stories, about like that. Like I love dated futurism like i love the rocketeer like art deco futurism like metropolis like tall buildings and it's like to me that's noir i love yeah oh yeah absolutely and i love retro space future in the same like it it gets me in the same somewhere in in, between my chest and my neck yeah is where it gets me it's 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 primal so i didn't quite finish it this morning but i was like for some reason, I was like, I don't think I've actually watched this movie in, again, I keep drawing the line of like 10 <clears throat> to 15 years. It's been at least 10 years. It's probably been like 15. I was probably in junior high the last time I saw it. And it is, it holds up in the soundtrack and the depiction of Gotham and the depiction of goth, like, well, like gothic architecture and and that cartoon show, which you've never really watched much of. No, I was in high school by the time the show was out. It strikes, Still without a TV. <laughs> it strikes the perfect Bruce Wayne tone to me of, like, he is a farce in terms of who he, pro- like, projects Bruce Wayne as being. But he also is a nice man. He's not, like, the, the broken man that comics kind of portray him as. Like, he's a man who is able to have been in love and have that fallen apart. He loves Alfred. He is kind to Alfred. Like, right. he's not just this... I don't know. It's... The animated series is is what made me love Batman and, in turn, <clears throat> you know, put me on, on my path. Roman, I'm curious, like, did you go see that in the theater? I did. I, actually, I th- I'm pretty sure I saw it with Steve Myers. Nice. <laughs> Jealous. At the at Sunset Square Cinema. Um, Back when you had a brown beard. Yeah, yeah, back when I have a brown beard. Um, yeah, and until I think until the Christopher Nolan movies, I thought that was the best Batman movie, and it's still one of the best, along with like the Heath Ledger Joker Batman movie. Yeah, I actually want to watch the Christopher Nolan Batman movies while we're in uh, quarantine because I don't know how well those age. 
I can tell you I watched all three of them in a sitting when the third one came out. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and the first one was better than I had remembered. Because the first one to me is, I feel like it's not as good as I liked at the time. It, it was a pretty dry movie, I think. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan is a is a compelling director. The second one, when I saw it in the in the theater right before the third one came out, I was really surprised at how bad the dialogue was and how good the actors were to cover for how shitty the words were. Okay. Um, like, that is a really impressive group of people who can say dumb words and make you believe in them. And then I think there's really not a ton to redeem the third one. I don't have the the plot problems that a lot of people have where you like, oh, suddenly he's in Gotham, like whatever. Um, but I think that the, just the time, the way he, he plays with time and fails in that movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times Christopher Nolan is playing with time in a really interesting and really successful way in that movie there's no sense of time elapsed between scenes. Roman, uh, what are your feelings on those movies? <clears throat> the Christopher Nolan movies? Yeah. I need to rewatch it because I had the same experience with the first one <clears throat> when I saw it the second time. I, I was, I, which I'm sure was with Chris Clow. Um, it was better than I had remembered it. <clears throat> I mean, his whole journey up to the monastery and whatever, that's all pretty interesting. Um I remember being a little disappointed just because, and, and that's the script's fault, I think. Um, Liam Neeson, was it Liam Neeson as yeah. Ray Sal Ghul? He wasn't as, because to me, Ray Sal Ghul should be like John Saxon or Sean Connery. He should be John a. Saxon? Sa- Saxon. Um, he was the American <laughs> Sean Connery, basically, in the 70s. He should be that kind of actor, character that's just really charismatic and projects and commands your attention at any time he's in a scene. Right. Um, right. And Leeson's a good actor, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't pull that off. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I still remember really liking the second one. The third one, I've, I've actually only seen that once in the theater. So. Yeah. And it was, it was fine. Yeah, it was it, fine. It has, it's, it has some big problems that yeah. I think uh, maybe, maybe an extra round of uh, audience screenings could fix. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can pick it apart, and I don't watch movies real close, but if I can pick little weird things apart, then, you know, people are going to have big complaints about it. Yeah. Uh, Roman, if if we do end up doing like, hey, I'm an expert, you guys interview me about this, what would your, what would your topics be? Oh, um, I don't know. I was trying to think of ones that aren't too closely related to, you know, what we always do. Because yeah. yeah, I thought Godzilla, but that's pretty. That's I mean, pretty close. To... I can talk about the shadow for a long time, and yeah. I would like to, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know that that's uh, the. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Godzilla. Sure. What? What yeah, else? Yeah. You got? Uh, the the non superhero ones. I mean, yeah, nobody's going to want to hear it, but I I do know a lot about the Holocaust. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, could do local history, could do... Um, now you put me on the spot, I can't think. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was thinking about other things that I could do. I can talk reasonably intelligently about photography and yeah. graphic design. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like, even to some extent, like, recent history of graphic design and program choices. Yeah. Um, 
uh, gosh, what else? What else have I been into and and feel like I could talk about? Just like printing processes, I'm fascinated by that stuff. Yeah, I used to publish a magazine in high school called Megalopolis, the magazine with long hair and stubble, because <laughs> MacGyver is cool. MacGyver has long hair and stubble, and therefore long hair and stubble is synonymous with cool. Uh, you know that that. Yeah. A, a printing process podcast could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I was, um, there was actually when I was talking to my dad the other night. My dad, my dad has a retail business too, but he doesn't. I was wishing because I was telling him about what you had did with the recreating a website for ordering and mm-hmm. everything, and I was just wishing that you know you had the time to to make a website for my dad because I mean. Even his basic website for his business, I think he has. He one, just but needs it's, a real, but it's horrible. <laughs> really sexy Dan Brooks, like a, a hypersexual really... Dan Brooksman, and yeah. everything already in a database. Like, yeah, I don't know if my dad even has that. Dan and I threw that <laughs> website together in in a day, but really, it's been four years of putting systems in place yeah. that would allow us to do that. So it's, yeah. we got we got lucky that I kind of approach everything from a data-driven point of view and like when you guys are being called in at all hours of the day and night to work on um inventory like it just paid off for us big time to have accurate inventory in our point of sale so that we could put it on the website so that we could sell things through the website during this time of quarantine and social distancing um And that there are things that we're finding in, like, as I'm working on, on improving the website and getting more and more products up there, there are things that I'm finding that, like, yeah, this idea that I had that I never really pointed out to everybody how important I thought it was because it wasn't important at the time. It'd be really nice to have these little tweaks uh, already done. Yeah. Um, but just the validation of being able to dump all of our trade paperbacks, all of our relevant comic books and about 150 board games on the website because we happened to be doing things using best practices. Um, that's amazing. So cool. So I just did it. I just picked up the coffee delivery from the, the incredible Ryan Russell. The Zeta Bean. We're we fully stocked on Zeta Bean Re-upped now. on Zeta Bean. Got him his Batman Universe hardcover. Oh, good. He needed uh, that. He needed that. Many people need that. I'm going to read that this week. Um, what's been amazing is this quarantine has caused me to put weekly issues a little bit on the back burner because mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to be seeing people talking about them, which is why I've only read three of this week's books, four now with X-Force. But it's got me reading older things. Roman, I really wanted you to be on last week because we talked a lot about Superman Smashes the Clam, but I read all of that. Oh, like, damn. I'm, I'm, catic- I'm catching yeah, up on one. these older things that I haven't had a chance to read. Um, we are about 10 minutes from needing to uh, at least be able to answer the phone downstairs and everything. Yeah, we it's, should start it's, probably wrapping it up. So we should start wrapping it up, <clears throat> but I would just like to hear from both of you. Um, so Batman Mask of the Phantasm tombstone and then letter kenny are the things that i've been moving through media wise <laughs> what is something in the last week roman that you've caught up on or have busied yourself by engaging in that has made the whole quarantine thing uh better um 
Well, it's it just always throws me when people say better because right, so, no, because so, yes, yeah, so, I love it. It's my dream. So I far, I'm like, God, there's yet. no problem with this at all. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm, for me personally, I, um, I really, I discovered be there with you. through through your Hulu, I discovered um, Justice League Action, which was the cartoon they did after Justice League Unlimited, and it's not quite as good as Unlimited. But it's really good. It's funny. It's smart. It's got Kevin Conroy as Batman. It's got Mark Hamill as the Joker. Um, and as I now forget the name. There's some other yeah. actors reprising roles. Oh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried is Mister and Mix, mixes of the oh, nice. <laughs> um, Wow. It's yeah. It's the really funny. Series had it's, amazing cast. Yeah. Huh. It's it's good. It's, it's the Booster Gold episodes are hilarious. Um, they do lots of great little character bits. The one the one failing is Wonder Woman isn't very interesting and um mark hamill he does the swamp thing voice and hmm. mark hamill's great normally i don't think he understands swamp thing at all because his swamp thing voice it just doesn't fit yeah you gotta put a bunch <laughs> of like wet cotton in your mouth to do that yeah and it's a very kind of like mark hamill wacky type almost right. voice and it's <laughs> but the rest of it's great that's a great cartoon do you guys want to spend watching. the next few weeks becoming voice actors Buddy, that was my dream profession as a child. I I have I had framed letters on my wall uh, <clears throat> that I had written to voice actors that they had resp- well emails. I had printed off emails and framed them <laughs> on my wall. Millennial uh, of like voice actors from Dragon Ball Z and stuff. So yeah, let's, let's let, do it. That was right. my dream profession. Right. I'll write a script. I'll let's write have it right Justin now. Justin, write the script. Religion, no, and politics. <laughs> so what have you engaged in in the last week, Ro- or Roman's friend Django? Uh, <laughs> Geez, uh, I fell asleep watching um, Idiocracy a couple nights ago. Interesting. I haven't watched that in a long time. It's really fun. Like, they say retarded a lot more than I'm comfortable with. But, um, and, and, and like, characters say it. That's one thing. The narrator says it. That's a bummer. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, like, totally the, makes sense. The, the narrator should be a little more removed. Yeah. And, and um, but. <clears throat> Other than that, it's just it's just funny and and a really good indictment of the world. Um, I've played I played Settlers of Catan on my phone with my Ooh. brother and two of his friends in New Orleans last night for about two and a half hours. Yesterday. I was picturing it on your computer when you said it earlier, but well, phone version. I had I had problems logging in. I tried to log in on three devices and four browsers, and eventually the phone was the one that worked. Hey, do you keep up <clears> with video games at all? Not really. Have I've been heard I've been playing game? a lot of this game called Balls, where you shoot balls at blocks. Well, it's like pool on not, steroids. Not a modern game at all. But in when two thousand no, when the PlayStation Two came out, a game called Shadow of the Colossus came out. Have you ever heard of that? Never heard of it. Okay, they did a, a remake of that for the PlayStation Four that I started playing yesterday. It's like one of the like aching, epic, empty wasteland worlds with no. You don't like fight baddies. You just run around this g- giant world. And hunt down these like eight giant colossal things called colossi, and you just uh-huh. have to. It's only <clears throat> boss battles, no small things, but it's like this like epic Lord of the Rings. I think Roman would specifically love it. It's huh. like you wandering around alone in a wasteland in this beautiful world, hunting down these things that are a hundred times your size, and the only game element is discovery. And then trying to figure out how to beat these giant things, hmm. you have to like climb up and find their weak spots and stab. That would be cool. It is, it's like a thing. It's historically a thing I've wanted to play for like 
over 10 years since the PlayStation 2 came out, and I finally, it was free on the PlayStation Network <clears> this week, so I started that yesterday. Huh. I've mostly, like, I seriously haven't had a quarantine day off yet. Yesterday like, was our first Yesterday one. was our day off, and in. I worked pretty hard. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, if we end up in some sort of lockdown um, situation. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a little <laughs> bit boring. I I was talking boring to Erica the other day. I don't know how to be idle. And I, I don't know think that she does you. either. Like <laughs> I would I would like to be able to do better at it, but my version of idle is surfing Facebook and looking for things to share on the shop page. Like or or business like what are other businesses doing about this situation? So learning how to sit in my backyard on my yard swing in the sun, which all I wanted to do yesterday was do that. And by the time I got back, there was this tiny sliver of sunlight yeah. in the very corner of the yard. I was so bummed. <laughs> I I will only say that that is an incredibly important skill to learn how to do because it is a skill that I'm actively trying to learn how to do. Yeah. And I, I also am like, well, I've only got an evening to myself. So what is the thing I want to watch the most that I can watch right now? Because it's the most important, which is an entirely different life experience than... I'm bored. Like, what do I want to watch? I'll just watch that. Like, Sam is just like, I don't know, let's put this movie on. I'm like, but we haven't read about the reviews. We don't know if it's good. It's a, right. We don't have two hours to just throw into a movie. And <laughs> and it's that's an exhausting lifestyle that sort of, I think, leads people to break down at some point. But. And I think there's probably a good balance between the two because one of my fears is that I'll get good at that. And I've I've gone through periods of my life where... I'm not super productive and I'm not proud of those times because you're going to die someday. And if you can do productive things rather than time wasting things, I'm a big proponent of that. Of that. If part of your personality needs that downtime, yeah. because a lot of people need more downtime for their brains than, than I think I need. Yeah, I, I, I might need more than I get, but I feel like if I can be productive, if I've got the, the stamina and the, and the brain power to be productive, I feel like it's my duty to to do everything I can to take advantage of that time. And I always feel a little bit of guilt when I'm sitting in in my living room on the couch just lazing around and playing this balls game. I'm at level 260-something of this game that is totally meaningless, totally repetitive, well, and I'll fall asleep playing it tonight. That sounds like a thing that is a, is a battery recharging thing, so it's probably good for you in some regard. I do think people do require different amounts of it than other people. Yeah. But I also think that probably some of that emotional <clears throat> feeling thing probably comes from moments of downtime where you're probing your emotions. And I, I don't think that that sort of stuff super hits or clicks until you have the time to really be uh, exploring the void expanse inside oneself. So. Maybe I'll hit like a new... A new level of dealing with my dad's death in the next six months. Fingers like, crossed, I can't right? fucking wait. No, buddy, I think that's just stuff that you slowly unpack over a decade. Yeah, so. but I'm going to be sitting in my living room, probably with no goddamn internet, because the internet can't handle as many people who are as, as are on it right <laughs> Neither now. Neither can text threads. Neither, yeah, like yeah, Sam yeah. was in the bathroom trying to watch Hulu yesterday. She's like, why doesn't the internet work? I'm just like, the internet just doesn't really work as well right now. Yeah, uh, you know all those guys that collected DVDs? Sean Myers, congratulations. You guys are still going to have movies when Netflix's bandwidth swamps the entire world. And Sean 
my Sean, yeah. Marshall, because, has the largest DVD collection of anyone I've ever known. Yeah, because of your Sean, when Crazy Mike's was going out of business, I still have a, you know, a, a brown grocery sack full of DVDs that I got from them when they were closing down that I haven't, I've watched one out of like these 75 DVDs. Sean's are to Django's, sorry, Sean's are to DVDs what Django's are to single issues of comics. Yeah. They're good people. They're yeah. really, really good people. Probably some of the best people in the entire world. Sean's? Sean's and Django's and our DVDs and our issues. Yeah, I was thinking we should try and, and Roman. Do a... I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I agree. I say I have the issues. Roman just quietly has the issues. And those are the people I really like, the people who quietly have the things. Go fuck yourself. I, I think we should all – I was thinking, the, like, it would be cool for us to do – somehow video each of us talking about how we store our comics i was like i would love to show <laughs> oh yeah my graphic novel shelves to people yeah let's let's do a shelfies and Django uh, could do his bed <laughs> propped up on comic book boxes and Django or roman could just show his comic i could, book I could just videotape you know there's boxes over here there's piles here <laughs> so listen he's got a whole wall of long boxes or short boxes yeah. somebody's got to open this bird up to pickups yeah. we have two minutes but one we just did a two and a half hour podcast and didn't answer Win Buckley's email. Oh damn! I looked for emails at one point and didn't see one. Really? I'll find it. Maybe I moved. I'll it send it over it. to you, and I'll go open this bird up. Um, okay. All right, Roman and I will answer the question. Let's see. Then we're gonna start packing to go orders. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Oh, maybe it was a voicemail. Ooh, let's see. Here. Even better. What? Where? Well, you what? sent me. Nathan sent us a video at twelve thirty last night. I didn't. I didn't no, get it. I, didn't I only get it. just I got, got it. Now. Just this minute. Yeah. <laughs> Did you oh guys... no! It's twelve thirty this afternoon. Never mind. Did you guys see that video of somebody who uh, who had this lady come up and add, like offer them a blowjob uh, <laughs> in exchange for a donut and some hand sanitizer? What and... the fuck are you talking about? <clears throat> oh, I sent it to you. You'll probably get it sometime in the next you, six hours. Yeah, you sent it to me. And then he like points out. And he's like, "Yeah, she went down that 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 direction down the road, and he's holding the donut." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a bite out of it. See, I thought you it's made really that video. Good. I was like, "Wow, Django did a good voice there." You can't even tell it's Django. <laughs> no, that that was not me. It's one. You better get this thing up. So I we know. Can start I'm, I'm looking orders, for bro. it. I'm looking for it. Um, <clears throat> you know what? You guys are looking for that. I also started, just barely started Akira, the 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 graphic novel, the manga. Nice. Um, get it, you big old man. You. <laughs> That's the best thing. You get to read this stuff. Reading that, I'm finishing a, a um, Holocaust survivor memoir. Um, <clears throat> gonna read the latest, the final volume eight and final volume of um, Girl from the Other Side, nice. that manga series. I want yeah. you to fucking read Akira. That's what I want. I'm gonna go open this bird up. Did you have a voicemail? Thing? I emailed it to you. Okay, sweet. Uh, I'm Django. Thanks, Django. Yeah, maybe you can cut that in later. I don't really know how this. Don't ask me to edit works. anything. Do you, uh, you just like pull it out and put it in, and pull it out and put it in, or oh you my like God, dude? Jesus, I barely know her. Oh man. <laughs> oh, you guys. What? I forgot to eat my birthday cake. I'm gonna bring it downstairs. I wanted oh. to eat some of that up here. <laughs> here, this is this is for you guys. That one's mine. This is two pieces. Oh, nice. You got there, you got spoons there. There's some dripping on the top. <laughs> What's dripping on the top? Oh, I think it's chicken parm juice. Hurricane Django. <laughs> yes. It's liquid Corona. Um, now, this is from Saltadena. What? Uh, we don't oh, have... that place down the street. Yeah, we don't have any forks or anything. Yes, Wait, no, there was a box oh, of them right, right there. Here. <laughs> That's what um, that blue thing is in front of us. Yeah, okay. 
We got knives. I'm just gonna cut my portion out and you can do whatever you're doing. And then we're gonna get to this voicemail. I'm sorry, this is terrible radio <laughs> content for everybody. Apologies. Apologies. Yeah, what? Um, Eating a nice fresh cake. Django's birthday was two days ago and he worked the whole time. I was here with him. We worked together. It was great. Um, okay, looking for uh, an email thread. This is the kind of stuff that I would be neurotically cutting out if this were a normal week. Well, you podcast. know, I, I can say like the latest issue of Fantastic 420 this week. 420, bro. 420. Um, no, it was a fun, fun issue. Pretty good stuff. It brought back White Wingfoot, which. You know, it was Johnny Johnny Carson, geez. Johnny Storm's old college buddy that used to be in the FF comics a lot. Um, it's a fun Mole Man story. We still got the thing with Johnny's supposedly intended, the alien from the other planet. She's come to Earth now. That was a fun read. Plunge number two. Is this number two? Yes. Plunge number two, the part of Joe Hill's Hill House horror comics that um, DC's doing now, Black Label. It was very good. It's a very creepy, good, slow burn series. Um, and it's tied into environmental disasters and, and all sorts of horrible stuff. And maybe some what mystical things. What do you give things. it? What do I give it? Sorry, I got cake in uh, my mouth. <laughs> more, more, more. Plunge number two. You know, this is a really good read. I'll give this an eight and a half. Nice. Actually, maybe even a nine. Actually, a nine because the art by... Uh, Stuart Immonen. Stuart Immonen. Immonen. One of the one of the greats. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cool art. Okay, I found the voicemail. So ah. let's see if this works. I would cut this silence out normally too, but uh, <laughs> you know, fuck it. We're all here. Hey nerd, it's Win. So it's been a couple of weeks. lot going on huh anywho thank you guys so much for answering my question about tko tkd whatever their name is <laughs> with their confusing logo um uh thank you also for recommending uh gosh now i can't remember the name of the fucking book the come to the future with the cowboys in the big cities mm-hmm. i have it like off in my stack somewhere here um but anyway uh, not a comic book question, even though I'd love to have a comic book question and continue to give Jeff a complex about, you know, <laughs> complimenting me or not complimenting me. Um, what board games do you guys recommend in this time of not leaving our houses? And, you know, as much as I love comic books, you can't read comic books all of the time. Love to hear what you guys think about what games are great to play. Um, the coffee was great. Made from the other day it was awesome be well talk to you soon in person hopefully bye when <laughs> that was very sweet that was very sweet and thank you for talking about my complex um <laughs> i have them about everybody um so that's just jeff's uh damaged functioning lifestyle um Dang. Django, I think, of Django, Roman, and Jeff is the biggest board gamer, although he's definitely declined in that in the last, like, two years, just as he's more and more involved with the comic stuff. Um, But I do have a couple games that I love, boring though they might be. Roman, I'm sure, does too. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, so like, I still am a huge fan of the the vanilla Settlers of Catan. Um, I just I love Settlers of Catan. I wish more people were willing to play it with me. I'm definitely somebody who like, if I'm quarantined in my house and I need to be making food, I'm gonna make the same kind of boring thing that works every day for like two weeks until I get tired of it. Board games are are similar to me. Like I. I just I find a thing that works and I kind of do it to the, do it to death, which is my favorite bands or my favorite television shows or whatever. Um, so Settlers of Catan, I love Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill. That is a great board game and it's got like a bunch of different like random scenarios that you trigger. So I've played a lot of times and I've never had the same like goal of it more than once. That one is really good. Um, Pandemic, we've been moving a lot of. I like that because it's uh, a really cooperative game, but also it's been am- amusing to me how many people want to play a game called Pandemic right now. Um, those three. And then for like one-on-one games, Hive is really, really good. And I think that's what Django would recommend. Uh, it is mm, yeah. like freeform bug chess is what Django always says. And I don't necessarily know exactly what he means, but I think it's true. Those are my <laughs> suggestions. Roman, what do you got? Um, you know, it is inter- – <clears throat> before I get to that, it is interesting how um, before they closed, because Henderson Books closed um, temporarily on Monday, like a lot of places. and But before they did, went in there on my break at my other job looking just curious to see. There was a great book. can't remember the title about the China- Chinese virus – uh, pandemic back in the 1800s there's the book the hot zone which is a fictionalized account mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun to like check out some of those those are super popular right they're all sold out mm-hmm. uh, and usually hot zones a book you see everywhere but yeah it's interesting people are di- diving right into this this whole theme um some of my favorite games i really like Suro. it's a tile oh yeah it's a great one yeah it's a, just a tile pushing game and it's it's simple. It's simple rules. I like simple rules. I don't want to do a lot of homework in order to play a game. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, Betrayal and House on the Hill. Yes, that's a fantastic. Because I like games that tell a story, and it's cooperative. And it, but it's also stops being cooperative at one point and becomes one person <laughs> against everyone else. Um, I really like the game uh, Once Upon a Time. Oh. It, it's a storytelling game where you have cards, and depending on what the the cue the card gives you, um, each player adds to the story. Um, you know, you get a you get a card that says like, "Oh, you've got a rusty a rusty baton. You've got to work that into the story somehow, and then pass it to the next person, and they have to go off that adding to the story." I actually did play that once at NorwestCon, which is a thing I go to every year, and yeah, and it's a re- okay. Well, it was a lot of fun, and and it yeah. was just like you said. It wasn't a lot of rules, which is a huge barrier for me. If I want to play a game, yeah. make it quick. Let me get into it. I don't want to spend an hour and a half needing to learn something. That's not why I'm. Yeah, playing and it's, and it's especially a good game if um, if you're playing with folks that are that are kind of extroverted or or, or really get into being goofy with it and making the voice making voices and stuff and you know storytellers but i would say that the best game that we've had has been buying stuffed bears and creating ornate personalities for them (laughs) and now roman is in on that game and he has his own huckleberry and uh thank god jay bear thank god you took him because 
We had like nine bears in our home <laughs> while like waiting to give that to you, and then waiting to give Sam's nephew his, and it uh, it is crazy. So, but when I hope that that helps. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and reaching out to us. And I really would love for anybody who's listening to send us a question, write us an email, anything. Um, we're just going to be doing these at least once a week, but ideally more than that because we really do love doing it. Um, but uh, help us out. Give us some content because at some point we're going to run out of anything to say and it's just going to be you know three three jamokes up here running their mouths, which I guess is what it always is. But um, anyway, Roman, thanks for making the trek down today. I know you got to get back home to your quarantine. Got to go home and do some more laundry. Yeah. I've got a whole list of, of sequestered goals. Sequestered goals. I'm I trying. love it starting to achieve <laughs> um tomorrow which will probably be today on the day that this podcast goes up but um sunday and monday i get two days off and i am incredibly excited because it'll be the closest to quarantined i will have been i'll have two days yeah. where i won't have anything to do for work and i am excited about that because i love doing our work i also really think that everyone needs to be in their house locked down like the world is saying you should yeah. do and uh I, I, I am sorry for everyone who doesn't love that. I am not one of those people. Like, I could spend eight days without leaving my house, and I'd be super fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I think I've had – this might be the third full day I've had, maybe, oh, yeah. of, of sequesteredness. Oh, jealous. <laughs> maybe. Um, jealous, assuming everyone gets government financial support, and we all get out of this okay. And I think that because everyone's getting shut down together, like, of course, the government has to help. So I I yeah, also hope, don't mean to be insensitive to anybody who's really stressing and struggling with financial stuff right now. That it is, it is tough, and we're here for everybody. But Yeah, hopefully we'll – maybe we'll each get that $1,000. Who knows? <laughs> I know. Every week there's like – or every – sorry, every day it's a new, like, everyone's yeah. going to get a $1,000 check <laughs> in March and – or sorry, in April and then in May. And it's like, oh, we got a new idea. Now there's just going to be $900 cash that goes out. I'm like, okay, just – Pick one and do it because yeah. we need it. Make make uh, like two of those happen. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm Jeff. Thanks for hanging out with us this long. If you're still here, if you're not, uh, we love you anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm Roman. And you know what Jeff said. <laughs> uh, enjoy your self-distancing season, everyone. We'll see you soon. So long.